As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is episode 349 of Alohomora for June 4th, 2022. Welcome to another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's in-depth exploration of the Harry Potter series. I'm Irvin Kateman. I'm Allison Sigurd. I'm Sam Williams, and today... We have a very special guest all the way from the Philippines, Princess. Welcome, Princess. Hi. <laughs> Hello. 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 Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, the, like, epic time zone differences worked out this time. Yes. Yeah, it's, like, so much more fun. For listeners, we're recording at, like, Friday night, 7.22 on the Pacific, so, like, it's late for Urban, it's a different day for Princess, Allison and I are beat off of work, like, it's gonna be a wild episode. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you think it's late for Urban. this is like, Urban's life is just starting with his <laughs> schedules. So. I mean, yeah, like, I figured, like, you know, we started, like, 10.20pm, we record, like, a three and a half hour episode, and we'll be done around two in time for me to, like, read a bit before bed. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. I'm tired uh, just hearing you say that. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, Princess, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your Harry Potterness. So you're from the Philippines and uh, you love Harry Potter. And so tell us like all about it. I actually like heard about Harry Potter. I learned about it when I was in sixth grade because like in fifth grade there was a new transfer student she's like a close friend of mine now and she kept talking about harry potter and i was just so confused because every day she would be talking about it and i eventually like gave in watched the films (laughs) got the books become obsessed and for some reason now i'm even more of a fan than she is (laughs) 
So it's like I've taken over the whole like Harry Potter thing, but no one else in my family is a fan of it. So I'm like, remember this scene? No, no one remembers. I, <laughs> I made my mom watch it with me. And like up till this point, the only thing she remembers, Harry, Ron, Hermione, Snape and Dumbledore. That's it. <laughs> she remembers nothing That's about funny. the plot. So I'm like, and then like I joined MuggleNet. It's so much fun because people actually talk about it. <laughs> And it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> like people actually understand why it's fun. And now You're I know your mom doesn't remember who Susan Bones is. <laughs> I mean, your mom is doing a lot better than mine. Like mine <laughs> fell asleep during the first movie. And that's like as far as it went. That's a pretty easy movie to oh, fall asleep oh, to. No, that's just sad. Welcome to the Muggleborn life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so much more fun here. What? Yeah. What team are you on for MuggleNet? Uh, I'm like in the creative team, but I'm also That's working right. on Reddit right now. So That's right. And you awesome. hosted several episodes of Promptly Potter, right? Uh yeah, I have. Yes. And it's like so much more fun now. Like I told my mom <laughs> about this and she was like, Oh my gosh, you're actually gonna be talking to someone instead of like sounding like you're talking to yourself and being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much better we'll be, but you know <laughs> I mean I'm I'm talking to people instead of a wall, so True. True. <laughs> like it takes away the crazy. <laughs> what Hogwarts house are you? Oh, Slytherin, but I also have an identity crisis with Ravenclaw. <gasps> are we are we all four houses today? Yeah, I think so, right? Ooh. No, no, no. Allison, you and I are both Gryffindors, right? Well, I am a Gryffindor Hufflepuff hat stall. Oh, Ooh. nice. And I'm a Hufflepuff Ravenclaw. So wait, I think and I'm a dual Gryffindor. houses we can have all four. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. We're like just we all the dual it. houses. I love it. Yeah. I love when we have all four. Yeah. Excellent. Princess, do you know your wand, your Patronus, uh, you know, all of that uh, good stuff? Oh, yeah, I did. But, like, I took the quiz, like, ages ago, and I don't think it's very accurate anyway. So I'm going to retake them soon. <laughs> like, literally, I had to retake, like, the quizzes so many times. Because, like, again, with the identity crisis, I don't know what to trust anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> Trust like, you yourself. <laughs> the thing is, I'm very indecisive. Oh, yeah, well, then it... You will stall out the hat. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just so annoying, because, like, in some of the tests, literally, like, one of the questions, would you rather, like, go through a sunny meadow or would you go down a dark alleyway? I mean, why would I choose to go down down a dark alleyway? <laughs> oh, I know plenty of people who would go down a dark alleyway. In fact, I'm visiting one of them tomorrow. Oh, wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I'm visiting Grace tomorrow, for context. <laughs> I mean... Grace in a dark alleyway is 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 a formidable formidable experience. I would I would think. Allison, how often have you been with her in a dark alleyway? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I I have the. <laughs> this is the, how this whole episode is gonna go. <laughs> this is what happens when we start at the late late hour of seven thirty for Allison. <laughs> it is okay. It's like an hour before my bedtime. Okay. <laughs> I need I need some some paintings of what fans think Grace and Allison in a dark alleyway looks like. Yes, please oh make this fan gosh. art. Fan art. Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> so do you know your wand? Or do you know uh, what you'd like your wand to be? I mean, like, at this point, like, I knew it at some point, but then I'm very forgetful, so I forgot. And what I'd like it mm. to be, I just want, like, any wand, really. Like, give me a wand and I'd be happy. <laughs> 
It doesn't matter what just it like is. It's like snakewood with no core. Yeah, like just if it's a wad, if it can do something as simple, like even if it's just Lumos, okay, I'm happy. Hey, that would be very handy. Do you uh do you have a spirit animal? Know, a spirit right? animal? I mean like, like Patronus. <laughs> I mean like the Patronus said I was a dog, but I mean I'm not really sure if I'm a dog or a cat because of how lazy I am. I'm a couch potato, so <laughs> like did, I'm the It just gave you generic just... dog? <laughs> or did it give you a specific was it just like dog and like like a stick figure drawing? Like it was a beagle, if I like remember correctly. I'm like <gasps> so cute. Yeah, but like from, I love beagles. Yeah, but like from what I remember, beagles are like the very active type of dog, and that's like the polar opposite of me. Uh, I've seen something that can be pretty lazy. Beagles yeah, are very I'm... active when their motivation is increased. And it seems like you're very active when your motivation is increased. A.K.A. hosting podcasts, MuggleNet stuff, yes. and Harry Potter, yes. etc. <laughs> yeah, like if something's interesting to me, I will nosedive into it and probably splat in my face. <laughs> Which nice. I won't like regret in the future. That sounds like a beagle to me. <laughs> yeah, unless like... If you give me Harry Potter, I will, like, stay all night if I need to. If you give me a physics problem, I'd groan at the side of it and, like, want to throw it out the window. <laughs> I feel that. Sounds good. I feel that. Yeah. Well, luckily, no physics problems this episode. Well, maybe the one. Uh, <laughs> we we but will anyway. be discussing some science, some STEM within the Harry Potter universe. Because this oh, episode's gosh. topic... It's biology, kind of. Magical beings is our topic for today. This was suggested by Woot. a lot of people. Kate Lyles, Scott Butler, Molly Klump, Howell, which has no last name, so I'm hoping it's Howell from Howell's Moving Castle, Beth Quast, and Nicole <laughs> E. Tobias. So really, the listeners have been clamoring for this. Really, yes. really. Rattling the jail bars of our podcasting studio. What? <laughs> jail bars? Jail bars, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the podcasts we are so long because we're just literally in prison. They they don't let us out until we're done. <laughs> no, they only let us out oh. for four hours every two weeks for good behavior. Oh, we spend oh. the entire time podcasting. And this is, this is an audio format, so none of you can fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... If you want more of us, because there is a lot more of us, don't forget to check out Full Circle, which is now available to the general public on your favorite podcasting app, however you want to listen to us. Apple, Spotify, I can't even think of any other ones. Did, anyway, uh, did, uh, Google Podcasts. I, oh. I, I, I've been using that one. Cool. Okay. Are we sure. on there? I don't know. Oh, I hope we're on there. I assume so. And also, don't make don't make sure. Oh, back that <laughs> don't up. make sure to buy it. In fact, actively return all your copies. No, no, no. <laughs> Drop your copy. Drop it. <laughs> also, don't forget to check out the unofficial Harry Potter Companion Volume One Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. Uh, it is in stores now. It is at mm. unofficialharrypottercompanion.com, where you can find links online. It came out just in time for our tenth anniversary, uh, guys. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I still can't believe it's out there in the world. And we're starting to get like reviews and pictures of people finding it and buying it and reading it. And I will tell you right now, I get emotional and like cry every single time I see that Aww. happening. So, <laughs> yes. Allison, don't, don't read your reviews. No, no good comes of it. Well, I, 
I, okay, yes. But we've gotten good <laughs> reviews. I read the good ones. Yeah. I mean, yes, obviously. Obviously you get good reviews because the book's amazing. But, like, at least for my own sanity, I don't read my reviews. I usually, yeah, I, I avoid them. <laughs> I have other people send me the good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's like author 101. Don't read your reviews. Yeah. You know what's really cool is I think you all talked about what the book writing process is like on some of our Patreon content this month. Did you not, Allison? Yes, we actually, our May Patreon chat was about writing book two. So if you would like access to that, please go on to Patreon, just like Amy Ward, who is our four-time sponsor on Patreon. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, go times. That's a lot. That is so many times. Yeah. It's so so much. It's so great. We love you. Thank you, Amy Ward. Um, For an ad-free version of Alohomora, head over to our Patreon, along with all that other cool stuff, and become a sponsor for as little as $2 a month. That's it. That's our minimum. $2 a month. You can do that. You all have to buy gas, so just get $2 less each time. It, it You'll be fine. You'll still make it to your work. <laughs> so, like, a thimbleful less <laughs> yeah, is what I'm that's hearing. That's what I was going to say. Um, Patreon is the exclusive place to get burnish audio, behind-the-scenes glimpses, extra episodes, and other things. So visit patreon.com slash alohamora to find out more. Woo. Excellent. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now it is time for our shout-out Maxima! Yes! This comes from episode 347, which was all about the Fantastic Beasts movie franchise, which, y'all, it's a good thing you you kept me off that episode. I yelled so much while I was listening to it. I think you also <laughs> talked a lot in the comments, did you not? I feel like most of the comments was a bunch of y'all 
discussing things. <laughs> it was not just me in the comments. There were lots of really smart, really astute listeners posting very brilliant things in those comments. How many how many accounts do you have where you just do you just like write to yourself on those? I'm kidding. <laughs> you just have different accounts so you can debate yourself. Uh, Sam, if I had that many accounts, they would all agree with me, and all of my comments would have like 10 upvotes. Oh, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, we have lots of very clever listeners making very good comments that are not all me, uh, such as Marlo the Boat Truckle. That's a which great username. That's a, that's a great is. name. I just see Marlon, Marlo it. Brando. Yeah. <laughs> the Godfather as a bow truckle. I, I feel like Marlo would totally be in the Fantastic Beasts movies. Like, yes. he would be, like, Pickett's bestie. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. a bow truckle that doesn't bully him. So Marlo says, <laughs> I can definitely see how they tried to wrap up the movies if we needed them to end early. Most of the character arcs are wrapped up, and even those that aren't, we know what happens. Dumbledore defeats but doesn't kill Grindelwald. Newt and Tina end up happily married, and for all we know, they're still alive in the Harry Potter universe. Queenie and Jacob have a Goldstein child. Newt and Tina have a Scamander child. We can assume that the most important characters, Newt's beasts, are well-treated and live a good rest of their lives, however long that is. I feel like this might have a negative impact on the story later, though, if they were to continue with the movies. Say WB decides, yes, they are going to keep going. They have now put everything into a nice box with a bow, and they only have a few things to take from it now. Graves... Maybe Eulalie, Bunty, Theseus. But at the same time, most of them have been wrapped up too. I think they've possibly cornered themselves when doing this. How are they going to get to the final 1945 battle? There is no more problems between Theseus and Nude or Jacob and Queenie. It's just the tension between the relationship of Albus and Grindelwald. I mean, really, what is left besides that? Watching Aberforth sit by the deathbed of Credence? Are they going to make Queenie and Jacob get divorced and remarried? I don't think that would keep their audience. They might be able to work one more movie out of this, but unfortunately, in the end, I think they won't have enough to conclude in two more movies, even if they wanted to. They don't have enough content to pull from anymore. I'm worried that if they were going to do a fifth movie, it would end up being about Harry's great-great-grandfather and Cedrella Black or something <laughs> like that. And that's not the series we signed up for. And end comment. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of thoughts. Uh, I mean, I I hope we all do, because uh, this is a great comment. Uh, but big picture, what do y'all think? Like, could they stretch this out into two more movies if they wanted to? Okay. I mean, like, this coming from someone who hasn't seen Secrets of Dumbledore yet. Oh. <laughs> but, like, based from the comment alone, I can, like, even without the comment, though, with just the amount of stuff that they need to finish up, and the fact that everything we know, we practically have just have so much information from the original series. So we already know how it's going to end. They literally have no other way to end this unless they're like planning on retconning the whole original. And it's, it is very much like a disadvantage. A retcon in this film franchise? <laughs> you don't say. Um, Perish I, the thought. I'm so sorry, Princess, that we read this whole comment out with with no spoiler warning, and then you were like, well, I haven't <laughs> seen this movie, but uh, I feel like I've just seen it's the movie. Fine. Yeah, it's fine, because, like, I mean, I'm the type of person who either actively avoids spoilers or does the stupid idea of reading the spoilers then regrets it. <laughs> but, like, this is one of yeah. the moments where I can sort of see it, and I mean... I'm still surprised at the fact that this this is all they have left. There is really nothing to stretch out. If like yeah, there are two more movies. 
And each movie is that, like two you, hours I, long. It, I mean, there, there, there might be. It's not gonna might happen. be two more movies. It also there might just very well it. might not. Oh be. yeah, I mean, it's um, not gonna happen. Like, <laughs> I was I was discussing the um, latest film with Lori Kim, and she had a wonderful turn of phrase that I'm going to borrow. They were cauterizing the storylines. Oh, mm. absolutely. Uh, yeah, where they were like, we just need a, we need to get it done. We need to get through this. Yeah. Like, check, check, check. Let's oh, go. Gosh. I think the biggest example of that is the Queenie Jacob storyline because absolutely. it really felt like yeah. that. Who? Was she a character in this movie? <laughs> what? Well, and it felt a, like storyline is being generous, really. Yeah. And, and, you know, it felt like, okay, so she makes this huge decision at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald to join him. And then, like, immediately, like, mm, never mind. We're good. No. Yeah. So, so here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This had issues from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's my thought. I've been saying this all along. This is not the story. Rowling wanted to write. Nope. Right? Mm-hmm. This, so WB, years and years ago, we found out that WB went to her and said, we have the rights to this Fantastic Beast book. We're making a movie out of it with or without you. She said, you're not doing it without me. I will write it. They said, great. Well, for everything I've put together, okay, from, you know, everything that we know about this, I personally believe eventually she would have written the Dumbledore Grindelwald story. That's the story she was interested in. She had Mm -hmm. said that in interviews and stuff before. That's the one she was interested in. That's where her head was in this world. Well, here we come with Fantastic Beasts. And obviously everyone fell in love with the first movie because Mm -hmm. Newt is such a great character. And Tina is a great character. And Jacob was a great character. And Queenie was a great character. And we loved them. But literally, they were just the vehicle to get to the story that she actually wanted to tell. Which is so unfortunate. And that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah, that was the problem. And so we got Crimes of Grindelwald, where everyone was like, the heck is going on here right now? You know, because... Trying to transfer over from it's one trying, story to another. It's, it's these, two, these two very different stories clashing, right? Crimes and, of Grindelwald is the worst version of a baton handoff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then we get to Secrets of Dumbledore, which I don't think I have ever heard of a movie. I, I swear this movie was cursed. Like oh, 100%. so much, oh, so much no. going on in the production of this film yeah. that I was like, holy, like shiitake mushrooms. This is a mess. <laughs> um, and I think especially not only in the production of this movie, but everything that's happened after it's like they were trying to make it fail. Yeah. They, that's absolutely true. They cauterized all these storylines. Half of them in that movie, I was like, what? That's the end of your storyline? Like, yeah. what the heck? But first of all, by the way, confirmed, Credence is a goat. Okay? He's a goat. <laughs> yes. He's a transfigured goat. Because your other option is teenage pregnancy? What? <laughs> like, we're really doing this now? Um, anyway. princess, have also, princess, have you not heard who we found out who real Credence's real parents are? No, but like, this is just... Uh, 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 real parent. Okay. We what? found out one because I have a really great theory about the other. What She's a goat. This... Anyway. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I already know so I, it just, everything was just chopped off at the knees. And it's, 
it's we're not getting more because I and I think they knew it wasn't going to do well and they kind of sabotaged it themselves because there was not much promotional for this movie yeah what was promotional was not much of anything they were trying to brush this off I think as quickly as possible and bury it and it just came out not too long ago just a couple days ago that the new head of WB was meeting with the author to talk about future projects they're trying to brush off and do something else now, oh, and gosh. I am incredibly scared of what's going to well, happen next. And so what I thought was what, really what? interesting, I don't know uh, if you if you all caught the, Who was the screenwriter that adapted all the movies? Um, Steve Cloves. Uh, Steve Cloves. Steve okay. Cloves. So I thought, I thought it was really interesting. Of course, there was all those rumors that came out about how Warner Brothers was really trying to tell the author to please end the series in three movies. Please end the series with this movie. Just finish it. Wrap it all up. And in the credits, did you see that we got two different sort of writing credits there that with yeah. big names? It was yeah. by Steve Clovis and J.K. Rowling. And then right afterwards, it was based on a script yep. written by Rowling. So it well, seems but, like... But we knew that was happening. We knew that was happening because... Well, no, no, no. To have it so well, we heard We heard that Steve Clovis was helping Correct. her write Indeed. the screenplay. Yes. But it's since been confirmed that Steve Cloves essentially Adapted. wrote the whole damn thing. And oh my God, does it show. Oh, and it, like, he adapts Rowling's well, initial because, story, it seems. Yeah, because this is not a story and that's not her medium. And that's fine. But it was it was kind of the shoehorn situation that led us to this whole mess, and it's it's a disaster. Oh, yeah. gosh, this, this is sounding like a train wreck. Actually, I, I quite like Secrets of the. Oh, it, it's it, it's one hundred percent a train wreck, and like WB, they didn't want to end up in like a divergent scenario mm. where yeah. like they make the third one and it bombs so badly they have to leave the franchise unfinished. So they were like. Listen, like, maybe we'll get to make five. Who knows? But, like, it, it's not worth anything to them if they don't finish it. I still think that they're waiting on HBO Max numbers. I still think but that they're why? waiting on HBO Max numbers to see. Like, you're going to... You're, you're already spending this much and putting on the effort to have a third film anyway, so why botch it up so badly? Because I think they just <laughs> needed to offload it. Yeah, like, I think they they did whatever they could. Uh. Like, they were like, well, like, Joe Rowling writing screenplays doesn't work, so let's go back to Steve Clovis. That made us a lot of money, and... Uh. I mean, well, it, it's bad. It's got, real, real bad. Got, you know, you've got the controversy with the author. You've got the controversy with Johnny Depp. Now you have the controversy with Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. You have the controversy with that other... The guy know, who plays Abernathy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the guy who plays Abernathy. You've got all the stuff going on behind the scenes. You had COVID. You had all of these different things. It, I swear to you, I have never heard of a movie production that is like this straight up cursed. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is but, happening? <laughs> it's like the universe itself is plotting against it. There's two things that I think will really make or break the series. We'll see for the rest of the year what in-theater movie numbers look like. Because right now, in context, I think Secrets of Dumbledore is still second best-selling. It's bad. Um, It's really, really bad for Secrets of Dumbledore. So I follow the box office like just sort of as a thing. And, like, WB is losing money hand over fist with this film. Oh, yeah. 
Well, because yeah. they didn't they didn't even promote it in a very good way. Yeah. I mean, I, they did what they could. Like the trailer was everywhere from what I remember. It's hard to know what but movie not figures look like in a in a still COVID e type of situation. I think that's one of the big issues uh, here. I read like, Doctor no. Strange's two hundred million dollar opening Doctor like two Strange weeks later. Doctor Strange has done fine. Uh, no Way Home did fine. People are going back to theaters. It's just. Then I, I still think I mean Top Gun's gonna do fine. Yeah. It's I still think be... we're gonna we're gonna see more when the HBO Max numbers come in. I think that's another indication. For context, Secrets of Dumbledore is making about half of what Sonic the Hedgehog 2 made. <laughs> what? This year? <laughs> yes. Oh. This year Sonic With the Hedgehog the came out numbers. like a week before. Oh no. Is that <laughs> inclusive of international like, numbers? Um oh. I'm looking at the domestic, but if you give me um, a second, I will look at international because I'm pretty sure it is the same. The Fantastic Beasts franchise has made a lot of money internationally. Uh, yes, no, international is the exact same thing. Oh, funny. That's disappointing. It's, yeah, it's basically, we're not, we're not getting two more. Well, it's so not going to happen. To go back to the original question, I, in terms of if there's enough information, I feel like the author's imagination is expansive and the author could fill two more movies if the author really wanted to. Um, there's, they will there's, not be fantastic. But Joe doesn't want to. Right. Like that, that, that's, that's the thing. Like Joe has zero desire to be doing this. There's lines that you could pick up from like Aberforth and, and that whole situation. There's the big battle between Grindelwald and Dumbledore. There's, you know, yeah. a bunch of stuff that you could and do. And also that's... I think like Queenie and Jacob's storyline, like, Married people still have storylines. Yeah, I don't understand why people are saying that that's over. Well, yeah, but, like, the thing is, compared to so much more information they could literally pull from in this world, it's not really what we were coming to see. (laughs) No. No. I can't even get a freaking new Tina kiss and we know they're married with children. Like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) It's like, we we didn't come for this. Like, it's interesting, but we'd rather have that sort of information that's like, a, a little bit of extra stuff that we could go to if we wanted, not the main yeah. show. L- like, the original premise of, like, Newt Scamander goes around catching wizard Pokemon, like, yes, yeah. 100% in. Like, it would be harder to probably, like, find some sort of conflict for that, but, like, given I mean, Joe's- but the conflict, I, I think the, the great conflict was... He's trying to get wizards to respect these yes, beasts and, that, and change the society that way. That's the storyline awesome. of Newt. Excellent. Love it. Yeah. yeah. You know? And there's a, and there's also the inner storyline with Credence of, you know, who is fantastic and who is the beast. I'm a goat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and this sort of ties in with what the what our actual topic for today is, but the the whole storyline surrounding Newt also gives a lot of freedom to sort of to improve, like to fix issues that came up in the Potter series, like surrounding wizarding views of yeah. house elves, of centaurs, of the rights in which wizarding creatures to show that actually the right thing is that we should be giving freedom to house elves. We should be doing all these things. And it's just wizard society that's messed up. Yeah. Like, wizarding itself is just completely terrible. The government doesn't make sense. The laws don't make sense. Even the <laughs> currency doesn't make sense. The magic itself is just so, it's just so easily breakable. And like, you can literally imagine anything and everything and it could happen because there are no clear boundaries. 
<laughs> yeah. Well said. Yeah. Disagree. Anyway. I feel like the boundaries are actually very clear yeah. in this world. I feel like the magic is like detailed and set up better than most fantasy franchises in its exactness and in how thoroughly we know it. I agree in terms of some of the like uh, stuff that the author starts putting in five, six, seven. But I would also say that there's still not a clear, super clear explanation. There's not a hard science behind how the magic is created, which is one of the big complaints when people are talking about hard fantasy and not liking the magic systems in this world. Yeah. Cause like there's just so many things that doesn't really work. Like what are the limits of like transfiguring something? Like we heard in passing like the Gantz law and stuff like that, but are, what are the other limits for like charms? How do you create spells? What are, what, what even is the limit to magic? If you can think it up and figure out a way to do it, is that it? Is that the only limit? It's basically yeah. creativity is your limit. That's it. No, because Snape says time and space matter in magic. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, but like. Yeah, but that's a very, that, very overarching rule. That's not a very like. Is there a rule around? I, I mean, the limits on magic leg. are the exact same as the limits on technology. Like, I, if yeah, you no, think no, it I up mean, and you figure out the resources it can but, happen. I guess my question is, and this is like very off topic, but my question is like, okay, so with technology, you would have to figure out if you replace somebody's leg with a stump. Right. You would have to figure out blood flow and all sorts of different things. But you can transfigure somebody's arm or leg into a piece of wood and they'll still survive. It doesn't actually account for the fact that like major arteries are missing and all sorts of stuff like that. That, I think, is where the hard systems are missing in this series. But the hard systems are present. We just aren't. We just don't know them because that's not. Yeah, that's not what's interesting in terms of setting up like that. That isn't set up yet. It's there. You're right. It's ethereal, but it's but, not textual but, 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 yet. But, 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 but this is not the conversation for this Correct. one. This no. episode. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just Listeners, if you'd like it. to hear more, please request this topic for Irvin and I to just yes. go at it. <laughs> yes. yes. Or, or if you want to know more, we're diving into these kinds of things in our companion books. In fact... We have a whole feature talking specifically about elves in book two, which Yay. is coming. So before that, you want to get book one. And, you know, if you do have book one already, you want to leave us a five-star... Pre-order book two? Well, yes, do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> can you pre-order yet? I don't know if you... I think you can. I've seen it in a couple places, but... Uh, mm. besides getting a copy for everyone you have literally ever met, you can leave <laughs> us five star reviews on whatever platforms. Um, also leave that for the podcast. We love to read them and we actually have one from Goodreads. <gasps> you guys, I literally like did a little dance when I saw this, this pop up the other day. <laughs> so this is, this is from Carrie Griffin on Goodreads. And it says, I wish that there were more books like this for other newer fantasy series, ones that look in-depth into books in a way like this does. This is a great little book that deep-dived into the first book in the Harry Potter series. I have never listened to the Alohora podcast before, but this made me very interested in it. My favorite section of the book was at the very end when they discussed the different tasks that Harry, Hermione, and Ron have to do at the end of the book. They discussed the connections between the tasks and plot points from the other six books in the series. This book was full of information that I mostly knew about the series, but some of the tidbits were quite interesting. I enjoyed this book a lot, and it just made me want to read the series again. So first of all, Carrie, 
we hope you're listening (laughs) and welcome to the podcast and the craziness. Um, Also shout out to Irvin because that section you called out about the stone challenges actually was inspired by an essay he wrote on MuggleNet. Yay. That's great. And yeah, so we're really glad that we could fill in all sorts of different things. And, and even if you feel like you know everything about this series, you will find something new because that's our task is finding new things to present in these books to you and and bring everything kind of all together, um, the greatest analysis of these these books into one volume. Love it. All right. And with that, at the 35-minute mark, <laughs> we are going to start woo. our discussion. <laughs> yeah, discussion time. I'm actually, I'm really psyched for this discussion <laughs> topic because my Harry Potter meetup had a Magical Beings discussion like five, six years ago at this point. So I, like, dug out my old notes. And, like, listen, that was, A, before any Fantastic Beast films, but also before, like, a lot of Pottermore articles and a lot of interviews. And I was like, ooh, this is due for an update. I thought we could begin with defining what is a magical beast, the thing we are talking about. So, uh, for this, we go to the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them textbook uh, from 2001. Where Newt's commander tells us that a being is a creature worthy of legal rights and a voice in the governance of the magical world. Which, frankly, yes. Like, Mm -hmm. that that is very clearly, like, a delineation that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. Because all of these magical creatures, like, live apart from muggles, like, yeah, they should have a say in how the world is run. So, showing that wizards are, well, terrible... In so many ways. Um, The process of figuring out what is a magical being versus a fantastic beast was a little fraught. So the first definition uh, that the ministry came up with was anything that walks on two legs. Two legs. (laughs) Like, why did they have to put the specification? Because they hated centaurs. They just didn't want them part uh... of the lawmaking. Like, why, though? Also, by that logic, would Mad-Eye Moody not count as a being? (laughs) I think a cane would be, yeah, would not count as a leg. Yeah. Could you you imagine if that's that's the way the actual laws were? And so people's way of getting people to stop voting and stuff was to just cut off people's legs? Oh, no. (laughs) Just left and right, like, nope, I don't like you. Ah, see, you can't vote anymore. You got a a peg leg. (laughs) Sam, don't give Republicans any ideas. <laughs> I listen. I just I I always find this bit in the Fantastic Beast book fascinating oh, because I, I agree. I I think the ways it kind of parallels the uh, evolution of governments, like real life governments and real life kind of you know com- coming to these things and how. The progress we, we've made and the steps back we've done and things like that. It's fascinating to me how it's applied in this, in this world, you know, because it's kind of been established that like wizards are one thing and wizards are human, but does that mean they're the only ones? And that's, mm-hmm. oh man, I mean, I love the stories of like the goblins bringing as much chaos as they possibly can yes. to these meetings. Like they're like, Oh, you think it's anyone who walks on two legs? We're going to bring a bunch of trolls. Oh, you think it's anything that can speak the human tongue? I got a group of Jarvis for you. Like all of this random just, stuff. Just yeah. bringing in Acromantula left and right. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like goblins seem like the 
best people. Honestly, if there wasn't any animosity between like goblins and wizards, I feel like this sort of chaos. Goblins, goblins are pure like chaotic evil. I feel yes. like most of the time, yes. <laughs> they're like the gremlins of society, and I feel like the like James and Sirius, they'd eat this all up. Oh yeah, <laughs> like they'd just be cackling about the entire situation. Maybe they'd even suggest like, oh yeah, why don't you go for this creature next? Like, you know that James and Sirius read this part of the book and were, like, taking diligent notes. It really sucks that Binz is so bad at his job because, again, all of this could have been really awesome, wonderful information had Harry had even a modicum of genuine teaching from (laughs) Professor Binz. Agreed. Yeah, because, like, Binz is basically that teacher who just, like, keeps on talking reading what he's writing on the board and that's it he's yeah and his voice is so monotonous free. too i know he's a bad teacher but he's free like it costs hogwarts nothing yeah i mean like yeah how, how do you even compensate a ghost uh ghost money unclear we'll have to ask the spirit division <laughs> which we are getting to like this also like begs the question because like in chamber of secrets they need to just like get people unpetrified how do you unpetrify a ghost when they literally oh, cannot. You, you, you spritz him with potion. <laughs> Imagine if spritzing yes. doesn't work, though. Like, if spritzing doesn't work, what else would? Uh, uh, you have to kill the potion to make it a ghost potion, <laughs> and then he can drink no, it. No, you just, you just evaporate it, right? Like, it just becomes steam. You steam it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because that's what a ghost is, a steamed human corpse. <laughs> This deserves to be on the dictionary. (laughs) But but wouldn't the potion have to choose to leave an imprint of itself? What if the potion's too adventurous? Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's true, that's true. So it has to be a potion that is afraid of death. (laughs) Make a potion that's sentient. Make one that's afraid of death. (laughs) Snape making millions of potions to murder them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, he would. As Allison said, the next definition after the leggy thing didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> beings were those who could speak the human tongue, which like that at least like I feel like has good intentions behind it of like if you can communicate, let's make this work. But once again, the goblins screwed it all up. Uh. And so finally, we got a winner with Grogan Stump. What a great name. Who was a very popular minister at the beginning of the 19th century, who decreed that a being was any creature that has sufficient intelligence to understand the laws of the magical community and to bear part of the responsibility in shaping those laws. So not as punchy a definition, but definitely a better one. And it's kind of beautiful. This is like purest, the purest definition of democracy. Yeah. Yes. It's like the best thing ever. Like there's no restriction aside from the fact that you need to be able to actually understand that there are laws in the society and you just need to follow said laws. Like that's that's the only thing. Well, actually, there are one or two restrictions, a few quid pro quos and all of that. But yeah, I think I think we can agree, and um, people have gotten contentious with me about this, but I think we can agree that, like, this as a working definition is good, is yeah. right. Like, yeah. yes, this is what a magical being should be considered. Now, does the way the Wizarding World is set up live up to this lofty ideal? Absolutely. Not quite. <laughs> that, that happens in real life all the time, right? Governmental systems yeah. that, that are improperly yes. distorted because people stink. As, as Rex likes to say, all men are garbage. <laughs> yes. But this is sort of the more perfect union yeah. that 
the wizards are working towards. Um, and actually, to Princess's point, there is one limitation, because apparently they exclude any creatures that cannot overcome their own murderous instincts long enough to participate in government. Because acromantulas and manticores are capable of intelligent speech, but will attempt to devour any human that goes near them. I mean, and okay, I feel like that's, that's probably a good thing. Like, yeah. But like, they can communicate, mean, yes. that's great, but like... Uh. I mean, you could get your head chopped off, so was it, does that right. really make for so good th- lawmaking? So that is a stipulation. Sufficient intelligence and also does not eat anything that comes across But, but that's here's, here's my other thing, then. There are some be- things that are considered beings, though, that I would say have a pretty Same murderous it. disposition. Oh, I agree, and we are 100% gonna get save into it for it. Those, save it for those categories. Let's save that for later. Mm-hmm teaser so (laughs) now that we have our definition we can talk about the beings we know of so for this essentially the way i approached it is um some of the beings are explicitly stated in this little textbook of like these are considered beings a few of the others are just the magical creatures we come across in the books that are not fantastic beasts and are not any other category because i feel like in this case um, absence of evidence becomes evidence of absence. And that, you know, if we know of a magical creature that's not a beast, I, we should assume it is a being. So, with that said, we have hags, vampires, dementors, question mark, <laughs> werewolves, at least three weeks out of the month, vila, giants, house elves, and goblins. Those first three are, are real rough. I think dementors have been officially classified as not beings though they have not because believe me i researched why though uh we're gonna discuss that yes and so with that category ghosts were originally classified as beings but they took offense because they are very clearly (laughs) has-beens and being is insensitive well so therefore they formed a third division in the department for the spirit division I mean, like, it does make sense, though. I love this. This is well. I love it so much. Because in some ways, too, it's a little dig at people. Again, it's that it's that little, you know, like, if we apply this to the real world, it's the people who get too nitpicky about things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and that's kind of hilarious to me. Like... It's the people who insist that, like, if you say something that could potentially, like, on Twitter, that could potentially, you know, be thought of in a bad situation, but you obviously don't mean that, and someone comes after you and is like, but what about this? And you're like, well, obviously, no, I didn't mean that. (laughs) There was a whole article I read about this somewhere about that whole phenomenon, about, like, how that's become a thing, especially on the internet, where people will, like, jump on people if you don't, like clarify every little thing about something you right. say. If you're not, if you don't give 100% nuance, it then becomes an issue. Yeah. Yeah, even yeah. if it's, like, implied yes. in, in something, whatever. Right. And it, it just, it kind of makes me laugh. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we did have two more beings once upon a time, but they self-selected not to be considered beings. Uh, so the centaurs and the mer people were classified as magical beings, but they chose to be classified as beasts. And honestly, good on them. We are going to talk about them in this episode as well, because they're being adjacent, I feel like well, it and counts. It, and it seems like, for the most part, that it's just because they want to form their own governments and they don't want humans to be yeah. a part of that government. Like, they are, there are beings, but they're like, we don't want to be part of your systems, we're going to create our own and we'll live in a not-so-harmonious but harmonious existence at the same time. This is kind of interesting because I feel like almost the real-world equivalent to this would be, like, indigenous peoples mm. in certain countries, too, which, yeah. which obviously terrible things have been done and it has not set up very well. Um, but, and like, there's, there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff with that, <laughs> but that's, that's almost the equivalency I see of like, they're willing to cooperate and be part of it. And we know that the ministry of magic has like divisions for them, like in the, their systems. But, uh, They've basically been like, nope, we want to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to do our own thing and keep to ourselves. So just stay out of our space and and we'll we'll leave you alone, too. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like having a foreign country within your country, like the way that the Vatican in Italy works. Where you're just I was like, say, it's the Vatican. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we have like, yeah. you know, a liaison office. Like, just don't bother us and we'd be fine. Like, just please don't do anything stupid and we won't cause chaos. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so now that we know who we're talking about, let's get into it. So I figure first we talk about a few, like, all-around things about, like, that some or many of these beasts might have in common, and then get good into them one by one. Okay. Lovely. So, the first all-around thing is we did say we were going to talk about biology, right? Oh, biology. I cannot believe you brought this up. Reproduction and gender. <laughs> but also I should not be surprised. <laughs> No, you shouldn't. But frankly, quite a few of these beings seem to only be of one uh, gender. Uh, for example, do we know, are there female centaurs or goblins? We never see any. And I, I mean, at least if you go by though. a very Potter sequel, there are not female centaurs, hence the need for much coitus. Uh. You had to bring it up. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I, I think any, it, any chance to bring up Harry Potter musical. I, I think, though, it's implied um, heavily, especially with the centaurs. I just get the, the sense, and maybe this is just me, I just get the sense that they're a very patriarchally centered society. Therefore, why we don't see... Uh, like female centers as much because they wouldn't be in the situations we see centaurs in in the books. Um, yeah, because like for the most part, the situations we centaurs in, they're not exactly favorable and they're not exactly peaceful either. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with goblins. I mean, we really only see goblins in uh, like at Gringotts, yeah. you know. So yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Well, on the flip side, are there male Vila and are there male hags? There's got to be male Vila oh. because Fleur talks about being a quarter Vila. And so unless that they're just like whatever it is when you divide yourself well, and create your spawn well, that no, way. A, yeah, a they could Vila. reproduce asexually like the Dementors <laughs> I do. I mean, maybe. But a quarter Vila is, it's her great, it's her it's her grandmother her but, grandmother yeah. right so she's three quarters then. human right but yeah but, yes so her then, grandmother is a full vila because she the the hair from her wand came from her grandmother right. yes because her yeah. grandmother came from another vila so then it is With it's most no likely possible that they because they have reproduction systems that work with humans that most likely that they have a male counterpart that we just don't see Mm-hmm. I mean, who do we think some male Vila are? I've got a list. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah? Would it be Oliver Wood? <laughs> Oliver Wood is not a male Vila, but he's the love of my life. Um, but anyway. I mean, I was going to say Gilderoy Lockhart. God, that would be hilarious. Mm. Oh, I wasn't talking about from the books. I was talking about real people who I would <laughs> consider male Vila, but that's a different story. <laughs> Fair enough. Gilderoy Lockhart as a male Vila using his own hair in his wand would be the most Gilderoy Lockhart thing ever. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it would absolutely be. Also, I have questions about if Vila, if if they can use their hair in their wand, does that mean that they can also just use their hair for the spell itself? Like they can just well, twist think- their head? No, because you need to ch- the you need the whole wand to channel the yeah. magic, like the core, the wood, like various enchantments if, and so on. If you can use your hand for some magic, right, for like summoning and stuff that we see in in the movies and in the books. You should be able to also use other parts. And I wonder if there's some extra potency with Vila hair and just being like, headbang, boom, I've killed you. I don't think Vila magic is the same as wizard magic. Yeah, I, but it I can think channel it's a wizard magic. 
No, I, th- well, I think just totally like different a phoenix feather can channel wizard yeah. magic, but yeah. like fox I mean. can't like cast a bubblehead charm out of his tail. <laughs> you don't know that. I it's implied. <laughs> well, Vila Vila seem to be. I, well, they seem to come from the um, the folklore tradition of things like sirens, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they kind of Where do. you know. Especially that that idea of like a of beautiful women who lure in men, yeah. Um, and and so I think again that's their kind of magic. It's not going to be the same as wizard magic. It's it's a different type, sure. Um, and so therefore I don't think it's the type that would be channeled through something like a wand. I think it would be more. I mean, you you know, it's 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 more like enchanting the mind. Then. Well, they use fireballs, right? In in Goblet of Fire, and that sets fire yes. to the, the Egyptian. Yes. Yeah, yes, but that boom. that's when they're all like transformed into their harpy form. The harpy right. form, but but again, that feels more like a a more like natural elemental type of magic than wizard magic is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hence, fireballs and sex. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. Well, and talk of which, so we know that humans can reproduce with some beings. We know that humans have reproduced with giants, werewolves, oh. goblins, and Vila, and we will get into all of these later on. How does giants here's, even Here's work? my deal. Were, werewolves, I don't think, really count in this. Werewolves are humans. They just turn into a wolf. Yeah. Yes. They are fundamentally human. Yeah. Right, which is why werewolves are the only ones of that bunch that don't actually pass on their traits genetically. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it's bloodborne. Yeah, because lycanthropy isn't, like, part of their genetics. It's just no, it's, a disease. It's just a curse have. on blood. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I'm curious, like, can the other beings also, like, intermix with humans? Like, right, like hags. Do we think vampires are sterile in this universe? Well, or no? No, no. If you follow the fact that vampires do not have blood within themselves, then biologically they would not be able to reproduce. But so, what's that Harry Potter book where the 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 vampire gets the girl pregnant and then the baby crawls out from inside the stomach? Oh wait, that's Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> ha! I was going to be like, I don't remember that one. <laughs> yeah, it's Goblet of Fire right at the beginning. It's that, and then the muggle dies. Jeez. Um, anyway, yeah, I I mean, I think the only ones that, that that works with are the ones that are biologically, physiologically similar enough to humans. So, like, if you looked at, like, a, like uh, oh, my gosh, what's, what's that? What's that called? Um, like, like, kingdoms and... and Genus and, and those kinds of things. They would have to oh, be kingdom, phylum, class. Yeah, but what's the whole what's the whole uh, thing called? Jeez, Louise, I haven't taken a bio class. In a taxonomy. Like, no. Like when you're talking yes. about like human, human, uh, Homo sapiens sapiens, you're talking about like that sort of stuff. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Those reminding me of biology. Like it, it would have to be someone. Yeah, I forget. It would have to be a species that's close enough there, right? Like you know, like Homo sapien and Neanderthal were close enough. You know, something like that. I mean, apparently we're close enough with giants, giants. So that's and yeah. goblins and well, Vila. physiologically, yeah. That makes sense. Well, yeah, but how it happened So doesn't... which ones are we not close enough with then? I mean, obviously Dementors are out, but I feel like most of the rest of them seem close enough. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like with hags, they would just end up eating the baby immediately because that's their whole deal. 
Yeah. Uh. Right, but they could still have a baby. Right. It's just like there probably are no <laughs> half-hag children because they just... They're just eating. I mean, eat unless you other. like rescue it like right away. So like the hag gives birth and you like run away with the baby. Wouldn't the half-hag baby be like, hey, I'm no longer a toddler. I'm now a child and I taste amazing to myself. Oh, no. Yeah, that would cause some issues. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe it wouldn't want to eat itself, but maybe if, like, two little half-hags got together, oh then, like, gosh. one would eat the oh, other. No. It's a whole survival of the fittest thing. Everyone's homeschooled until 18, and then you finally meet other half-hags. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. But I mean, like, oh, even man. if they did do it after 18, though, being surrounded by other half-hags would probably overwhelm them. And just, it would happen anyway. Right. So, and I feel like you could definitely reproduce with house elves again, per Harry Potter sequel. I don't know. I don't know. Narcissa Malfoy did. I. This. I think. I think they're too biologically different. This reminds as opposed to goblins, really. Yeah, and giants. Mm, Like that's the whole thing. Is just it doesn't seem like size matters. They're but they. <laughs> I feel like we have our episode title. <laughs> doesn't seem like size matters. The innuendos on this episode were not yes. something I was expecting. Uh, Especially um, with the minor on the podcast. I, I, I so really should have expected it. I should have, but this is just like I reminding me of the time where I was like 3 a.m. scrolling through Archive of Our Own and I came across the cursed tag of Dumbledore, Her- uh, Dumbledore, then there's Hagrid, and there's Dobby. Um, oh, oh, uh, cool. Uh, no, I, I didn't even That's want that. I'm so happy oh. I have never encountered that in my 30 years on this world. Why? Why? Like, I can understand other ships. Uh, like, I'm not one to ship shame, but um, why? The Thruplet. The Thruplet of Hagrid, Dumbledore, and Dobby. Why? How Yikes. would they even get in that? Huh? Well, when a half giant wizard and a house elf love each other very much. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> but it is like kind of funny though, like house elves. I remember like seeing a post though, like there was like how how would a house elf and another house elf work? Like do you just order your house elf like okay? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. no, we, we are we are getting to that house, in the house elf section. They like, can't breed without permission. Pop, pop we, out. We're, we're doing that. It's very sad. Wait, wait yeah. TBD. Yeah. So, um, all right. Putting a pin in uh, reproduction, which uh, we will (laughs) go on a case-by-case basis later on. I'm very excited. Uh, uh, I want to talk about, like, the magic inherent in all these beings, because I feel like all... Almost all of the beings we see have their own kind of magic. So, like, we know house elves have a very powerful magic of their own. They can apparate into Hogwarts at will. Uh, we have know the giants have skin that repels spells. We have goblins and their whole metallurgy. And their ability to use wands. Yeah. But all of them have a simultaneously antagonistic and covetous relationship with wizarding magic. Like, they really, really hate when wizards use magic against them. Like, especially giants get very upset about it. Um, But they also really want access to wizard magic, which we see when, you know, Griphook is yelling at... um, I think Ron it was, where he's like, da-da-da-da-da, like, wizards won't share their secrets with us. Yeah, and the, and the giants want the, like, eternal flame and the, the goblin-made flame. helmet. and Right, they just don't want conjunctivitis curses in their eyes, which, Why? understandable. I think that would be a great idea. Clean it out right then and there. Uh, I, I yeah. think, so I think 
it's like I was kind of saying before, it's like different strains of magic, like where all these different types of magic came from like a common ancestor, if you will. And now they've broken up. But I think why they all hate wizard magic so much, but also want it is because wizard magic has been honed to be perhaps at least the most diverse and useful, powerful kind of one. But it's also some sociology. It's been used against all of these, uh, you know, peoples for so long that it's it's become a point of contention. You know, it, it's it's become the weapon of oppression, and therefore they want to access it mm-hmm. yeah. because it's both, you know, either something that's been trained or, or grown or taught. Yeah, more in depth, and so they want to be able to access that that type of power, but also it's been used to oppress them. So they want to be equal with in that type of power. I mean, I want to be very careful with this analogy, but if we're talking about like oppressed peoples and the oppressor, right? Like access to firearms. If your your method of oppression is a police force and laws, and then you've got oppressed people who want access to firearms in order to be able to control their own destiny because their oppressors are using a police force that's armed. This is like a very real world example of, I think what you're talking about, Allison. Yeah. 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 But like, as for uh, the type of like branches of magic they have, yeah, they're def like wizards could also like be versatile, but I feel like the magic of other species seems to be more concentrated and like just focused on raw power. They just don't know how to channel it into the same diverse ways that wizard kind has managed to like learn from like they managed to use so many different forms of magic like they can literally do potions as well transfiguration charms everything while the species seems to just have this sort of set restriction regarding what they can actually do so they're kind of like mm-hmm. trying to find a way to become more diverse or maybe they could actually be more diverse but because of like the lack of interaction with all the other species and types of magic, they're just sort of stuck to their own archetype of magic. Well, and I think the the biggest complication here is that um, you've got, so in, in real world example, right? Like humans are strong, but also have the ability to, to have tool making abilities and opposable thumbs and intelligence in a way that like you might have a wolf that's stronger than you or, you know, a bite that's better on a cat or, you know, like a large cat, predatory cat, or, you know, you've got opposable thumbs and, and creative problem solving with, with other, um, uh, monkeys and apes and stuff in the wizarding world, I think, but you know, the, the big difference in the real world is that humans can create tools in order to do this. The crazy thing is that humans have created tools for them in the magical community, but we don't know if these beings like goblins and house elves, um, could you and centaurs could use a wand mm-hmm. just as effectively as a wizard because it's been oppressed from them versus in real life like you could hand over a gun to a monkey and it's never going to use it in in a in, in a way and a system that humans do yeah and i feel like a, a lot of that comes from wands like we're still sort of trying to suss out the exact degree of like 
how much of the magic is just like from within the wizard and how much of it like yeah you know that's the big question is from the wand but no non-human creature is permitted to carry or use a wand and that is a huge point of contention uh particularly with the goblins that we know of but i imagine some of the other beings are also not thrilled about it and so you have to wonder like you know if you armed a goblin or a centaur or a vila with a wand, like what could they accomplish? Yeah, I feel like like they already have their own specific uh, branches of magic that they're very much capable of using at any given moment. Maybe when you give them like a wand, it just opens up the possibility of them using other types of magic because they can like channel all of their focus and energy, and instead of just going through such great lengths to discover something so they don't do it a wand just Mm -hmm. gives them the opportunity that so that they can do different sorts of magic that they're not originally accustomed to yeah i think that's the big question right is does the wand would it just focus their already natural abilities or would it give them access to do more of the things that wizards do and that's why wizards oppress it i think that's that's the thing that wands help them do is it helps them give get more of that uh you know that i can't think of the word um but but it helps i mean olivander says a wand channels that magic so it takes yeah that raw power and channels it into these different directions so i think that that really is the big deal is what if these beings that potentially have a more powerful source of raw power mm-hmm. are now able to channel it into these different things. Credence in the Obscurus. Yeah. And I think that's why wizards have tried to keep it away from them mm-hmm. for so long, because they are afraid of what happens if one of these other species becomes more powerful than them, mm-hmm. which obviously is the fear of all oppressors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have discussed, you know, both the biology and the politics of magical beings, uh, I say let's get into them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I figured first we can talk about two of them um, that get sort of top billing in the Potter series, which is house elves and goblins. Ah, uh, yes. House elves. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like these are the two that are definitely considered the most significant sort of by the text and also kind of by wizard society because they're the ones we see on the Fountain of Magical Brethren. Along with centaurs, which is very confusing and we're going to talk about. Uh, But I feel like that's because these are the ones that wizards interact with the most Mm -hmm. sort of in their day to day. You know, I feel like a lot of wizards can go a very long time without British wizards. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't know exactly what the magical being situation looks like outside of Britain. Yeah, because who knows if, like, yeah. the Pukwaji, which probably should be classified as a being, who knows if the Pukwaji is, like, control of the banks in America. <laughs> mm. We just don't know. Yeah, but yeah, at least in Britain, like, you know, you have the goblins at Grey Gods and the house elves at home, so all the wizards see a lot of them. Uh, and story-wise, I just thought this was really cool, but... with House elves or goblins contributed to the destruction of every single Horcrux. So in some way. that was a great note, Urban. Like yeah. very impressed by this. Thank you. Because if yeah. if just running down them uh, with the diary, a goblin made sword destroyed it, and also Dobby's clues kind of you know brought the whole thing about. Uh, 
Um, with the diadem, Dobby told Harry about the room of requirement where he found it. Mm -hmm. Um, with the cup, uh, Griphook took the trio to Gringotts where they found the cup and then, you know, all that. Yes. And then the locket, Nagini and the ring were all destroyed with a goblin made sword. Yeah. But do they get credit? No. Oh man, that's so fascinating. Yeah. I hope that the Ministry of Magic has a new statue and it's just like Harry, Ron, Hermione, Dumbledore, Hagrid, and at the bottom is Creature and Dobby. <laughs> oh, Creature. God, like Creature deserves, like you want to hit him in the face because of like the reason, he's basically the reason Sirius died. But at the mm-hmm. same time, he went through so much. That's the reason yeah. he turned out cry. this messed up. Like, ugh. well, he ends up being so helpful, and also, uh, I'm pretty sure that's where his decapitated head is. Remember, because that's like his big dream is to have his head chopped off. <laughs> so the statue has like a real taxidermied creature head. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! On top of the bronze. That's that's, yes. that's horrifying. Yep, that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I think this was very deliberate on Joe's part because, like, one of the things she was really trying to drive home is like how important these other magical beings are. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that they were integral to every part of the anti-Voldemort war um, was definitely an intentional move on her part. Well, and I think it's also interesting because obviously they're. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about elves a lot lately with writing. Uh, Chamber of Secrets companion. <laughs> We're going to get to that, by the way. But, um, I mean, Dobby has a line where he says, Harry, you have to, like, he tells Harry that, you know, the dregs of the magical world were treated even worse when Voldemort was rising to power. And so there's, you know, there's so much hope that they have in Harry because he helped them kind of, you know, escape some of the terrible things that were happening to them in some ways. Mm. And obviously things weren't perfect as we see. Um, but you know, that, that kind of hope that he brings that of course their contributions should be celebrated and a part of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, cause it's, it's much more like, you know, accepted to fight for civil rights when you don't have a war going on. Mm -hmm. Like, I know with the suffragette movement, like, when they were, you know, protesting outside Wilson's White House, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of before World War I broke out, they were like, oh, look at those girls trying to get their votes. But then when World War I uh, began, they were like, how dare you pick it a (laughs) wartime president? Yeah, Yeah, well, but people will also use any excuse to, you know, why can't we do this? (laughs) Yeah. For sure. But, like... (gasps) You don't want to hand them uh, any more excuses than they'll already find. Um, and I feel like definitely when there's a war against Voldemort, like, no one is thinking about house elves and goblins uh, at the moment. Like, we even see that in Deathly Hallows, where uh, Kingsley on Potterwatch has to address, like, and what about the people who say it should be wizards first? Uh-huh. And, Kingsley's, and Kingsley's like, no. No, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kingsley, how great. Yeah. Wonderful. Great man, Kingsley Dore. The dichotomy of the house elves and the goblins is also really interesting Mm because there's a contrast, right, of like spew versus spug, if you will. (laughs) I love spug. I love spug so much. I'm I'm standing for Uh, spew and spug. 
Yes. Also, I need uh, to name like, their pug Spug. Oh my gosh! Yes. Absolutely yes. But yeah, I feel like the house elves are sort of like the model minority, mm. um, if you will. Quote, unquote, whereas the yeah. goblins are clearly a very hostile one. And the fact that Harry, um, and by extension the text and Dumbledore don't differentiate between the two where they're like, oh, like, you know, we should treat house elves good because they're nice, but screw the goblins. Like, Harry never goes down that path. He's like, no, we should just treat everyone decent because, like, that's the thing to do. I feel like that's a really good and really powerful sentiment uh, for the series to have. It's a really, I mean, I, I really love some of the, and I feel like a lot of the time the fandom gets this wrong where they're like, oh my gosh, the author set this up to be like, slavery is right and goblins are evil and everything uh, and it's like yeah. it feels more like it's a commentary on society being twisted in a it wrong gets way messy. and so like here it's it is a comment that wizarding society is super flawed because they do they 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 like the people that are like subordinate literally subordinate and servants to wizard kind and don't like the people whose culture and beliefs and systems are different than theirs and that's that is an issue. And you're right, Irvin. Our like our protagonist, Harry, does not reflect that. If our protagonist reflected it, then I'd be with the people who are like, "Wow, like this Harry Potter is all about how slavery is great." No, but in fact, Harry does not like that. I would love to see more of his journey. In fact, of like being like, "Hey, I freed creature," and like Hermione and I started this movement. I but he did not more. free creature. I know, I know. I'm saying I would like to see yeah. more of it. I would like to see more yeah. of that journey, but we run out of time in Harry 17. Yeah. Well, and like, we clearly see that like the wizards think that all beings should be subservient right. because the fountain of magical brethren is like the house elf and the goblin and the center, like looking up at them in and admiration, the rich, by the way. Well, the wizard study also has issues with feminism <laughs> that are outside the scope of this episode. I, know, I was just, I was just bringing it up. I was just but saying, yeah, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. Yeah, there's there's a lot of issues in wizarding society. There's just so many that you can't even like. You'd be talking for days on end if you talked about every uh-huh. single issue. But then again, there were reflection. There were reflection of like all human societies, mm-hmm. right? Right. That's, like that's yeah. that, that's a really great thing that's, about the series. Right, actually, that's the that good like part is how it comments on real life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, household specifically. All right, I got uh, a lot to say oh, about okay. this because I have written oh, so good. many things about house elves with this book. I am an expert. Would you like to kick it off then? Sure. <laughs> First of all, let's let's talk about this for a second because <laughs> if you saw May's uh, Patreon content, uh, you will know that Kat and I have literally been fighting <laughs> about <laughs> certain terminology for literal months at this point. Okay. Oh. Wow. My so I I want your opinions. Okay. Okay. All right. Is the is the species called house elves? Or is the species called elves and the house is like a modifier? Uh, the species is called house elves. Yeah, I feel like the species is called house elves. I think it's a modifier. You're modifying the... They are elves and you are modifying by giving them a... Like, describing their occupation. And then it becomes okay. like no. a, a term for them. No, because all of them are referred to as house elves, even when they Aren't are like, not in a house, are like, I, are right, free, right. are that, at that Hogwarts. That happens all the time. 
like you don't call band-aids the, the whatever they're actually everyone just calls band-aids band-aids like that's a very common linguistic sociological phenomenon so we've been fighting about this literally for months. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I, glad that we could help yes, by, you I, know, so being I, completely inconclusive here. I will tell you the two different sides here. I think that the full term is house elves because of the hyphen, right? Mm-hmm. I think the hyphen indicates that that is the entire uh, species name. Also, because from a folklore, folkloric standpoint, they are uh, basically a carbon copy of brownies. Yeah. And even going back to the Roman Laertes, um, like house spirits uh, that are attached to a house, attached to a farm and, and stay there. So that's where I'm coming from. Cat sees it as, it's looking at it more from the enslavement part where mm-hmm. It would be like people were called house slaves, Mm -hmm. where it's like that kind of modifier for that. And that elves themselves would have named themselves elves. And then wizards, though, as they enslaved them, called them house elves. So that's why we're on the two different sides of this. (laughs) It's really hard to be conclusive on something like this without full context. Like, are there other elves out there? What are their names? What are their names in other languages, etc.? But it's... It would be... Oh, God, no. I Like, I don't want their names in other languages as written by Joe, because, you know, (laughs) I'm sure in American it will be Elf who lives in a house. And in French it will be Elf du house. Because she's gotten real creative like that. But there's there's an argument to be made linguistically that, like, their species name is actually something else, and this is a nickname in the United Kingdom that would give into them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's it's a very thorny subject, um, but it, it is fascinating, though. I've done a lot of research on them, <laughs> and the author has not said much about them at all, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we, like, scoured the internet looking for everything, and there is not much at all. But they are, like I said, pretty much exactly directly the folklore of brownies. In yeah. England and Scotland, where mm-hmm. they're these, I mean, they're described to be the same, right? These little humanoid like creatures who have brown skin and usually a lot of hair um, and like wrinkly skin. Um, they are attached to a house. And we do know that house elves can live for up to about 200 years. And so they're usually attached to a house itself, not to like people, because they will outlive most individual occupants. So, so there's a lot of that. There's, there's all the things about like, uh, in brownie folklore, you can leave them small gifts of food, but you leave anything else and they take it as an insult and they'll leave and they'll take the prosperity of the house or the farm with them. Um, and if you give them a gift of clothes, then they will leave forever and everything will go wrong. Um, there's the, the folklore that you don't see them. Like, you're not supposed to see them if they're doing their job right. Um, But they are very, like, helpful, even though they're sometimes uh, mischievous. It's crazy how it's, like, almost exactly lifted (laughs) into this. You can see why the name was changed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Calling something by its skin tone is never a good idea. Well, I mean, it, it comes from a lot of different things, too. But that's... yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, most most of these are like lifted pretty directly from the various folklore. They are. Is it bad that I like when I first thought of brownies, I thought you actual like you actually meant brownies the food. Now I want brownies. Oh man, now I'm hungry. Oh no! (laughs) Everyone, take a quick break and go make yourself some brownies. Then come back to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for house elves, um, I actually uh, wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. What do we think their origins are? Because the whole like the all-consuming, like the master's word is law, like is the highest magic of the house elf. Like, do you think they were a race that was magically enslaved by wizards? Yes. Or were they specifically created by wizards like homunculi to be their servants? Because I'm inclined to believe the latter, actually. I I think they were... I, I feel yeah, like it's I, I think, first. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, the and second, I think, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean... No, you're fine. I think it's the, I think it's they were magically enslaved somehow and throughout centuries their like mindset and things have shifted. I like it's become ingrained in them. I'm going to back up Allison on this one. I think they were also magically enslaved but mainly because I think like so you take something like the Acromantula which was a, apparently something made in Borneo by a wizard to guard treasure and it got out of hand and the worst wizard the worst wizard in all of history by far the darkest i just think it's very bad wizard when wizards make try and make magical beings it's like hagrid and the blast under scrutes it always is going to go really poorly and it's never going to have the intended thing versus it's much easier to brainwash things and people and domesticate other things rather than try and create something for that yeah yeah, that's definitely like one of the good points. But like, what ori- like yeah. what basically popped into my mind the moment I heard this was like the the whole ma- the master's word is the law. Well, I mean, if it was just they subjugated a race, it would be much harder to have that sort of law actually apply to their magic. I feel like. Well, but you see, like Unlo- there but- is rebelliousness within that within that species but like with with monkeys and stuff right this is i mean the most real life you can get with it um you can see like generational trauma training by yeah by the way like people keep monkeys right so like you do something simple like okay if you touch this thing you get zapped okay so the first monkeys that do that get zapped then you introduce new monkeys suddenly the first generation of monkeys will stop the other monkeys from touching that thing because they know it's going to get zapped. So it's very easy to train yeah. other people in species. And it happens with people too, right? People get into cults and, and brainwashed all the time. It's just a matter of manipulation and training. But but it's not it's not something in their behavior. It's not like they're like, oh, the master said something, I must listen. It's like, it's, like an it's magic. It's part of their law. inherent yeah, magic of like what yes, they are. But, but I think that's part of the magical enslavement part. Agreed. Is it is this conditioning... But done with magic, which makes that stronger and harder to break. You're talking about a generational curse. Something, some very powerful magic that seeps through bloodlines and stays with that species until broken. Which actually, like... I mean, we can't know either either way. Uh, Yeah. But I'd be really curious uh, for the listeners to chime in. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I really want to, like, take a poll of the listeners. Like, let us know what you think it is. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And, okay, uh, this was alluded to earlier, uh, Princess. So, yes, the question is, how do the house elves make more house elves? Oh, like, no. goodness. Like, I just once saw, like, the head cabin. Princess, let's hear it. What are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like that. I feel like they're going to need the master's orders at the very they least. They do. Yes, like, we they know just that. Need that. Like I Allison, we do not know that. No, we do. <laughs> she said that. She said that they can only the quote is they can only breed with their master's permission. That is one uh, of the uh, tidbits wh- we've got. Where is that quote from? Uh we found it on Accio quote. It's from an interview. I don't remember exactly which one. Um, but it is, trust me, it's in the book. We have done lots of research on this. <laughs> so, like, it's just permission. It's not, like, the direct order that they need to reproduce. It's, like, as long as yes. the master's fine with it, they can yes. have kids. What yeah, I, I feel like I remember from that article, too, there was something along the lines of, like, once the house elf starts to, like, get on an age, suddenly the whatever master is like, okay, you should go. You should go get me another <laughs> Like house elf, basically. Uh, I've never seen that. <laughs> Throw the anywhere. mug down. Another. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, but other horrible things that have to do with what their masters can and cannot do. You can technically order a house elf to terminally hurt themselves, to kill themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. no. That sucks. That's that's something yeah. I don't like. I hate that. One of the things that like we're like backpedaling to, uh, you know, house elves getting more house elves is that. For an example, you have a single house elf in your house. You've got a friend who also has a house elf. You want to get more. Who gets, you know, custody, sort of, of the pop out? Oh, I, I think th- I think the masters would have to, like, make agreements. Yeah. You know, like, you bring Dobby right over to Winky's house, <laughs> and they make a deal. You know, the well, Malfoys get the firstborn, the Crouches get the second. Oh, yes, but that, that's that, the exact headcanon yeah. I saw. <laughs> Well, no, no, that's, that's, I mean, but that has basis in historical slavery going back for a long time, yeah. right? Where there would be contracts drawn up because it's considered, they were considered property. So I, there, you know, contracts would be drawn up and there would be a lot of forced things. And it's, it's terrible. It's horrendous. It's horrific because then you have children being ripped away from their parents. Yeah, It is like terrible, but like what kind of fascinates me is like, the actual agreement between like the two probably heads of houses because it would be easier to decide who gets basically the first house elf that pops out based on like seniority in terms of how great the house you head is but what if you're on that same level and you're both incredibly antagonistic of each other i wonder how long it actually takes for that i mean if you were that antagonistic i feel like you'd go to someone else's house elf yeah but then again like it's pretty hard to like, okay, go going to just random person who has a house elf. Uh, do you mind if we just, you know, get some more? <laughs> we can write up a contract and here's some compensation for it. I think we have to be also very careful with the way that we um, uh, treat the allegories with real life too. Yes. Because oh, we absolutely. Are, we are just, we are discussing if we're like talking about real life slavery, like th- that's actual horrific acts by humans yeah. versus like a yeah. children's fantasy yeah. series. So I just want us all to tread very carefully in this realm. Yeah. It's more like I try to, whenever we like, whenever something as deep as this just goes into mind, I basically try to shut off any and all realistic implications of it because that would just be too big of a terribly dark yeah, rabbit I mean, hole. But we, but the books don't necessarily shy away from it either. 
Um, oh no, I'm just saying I mean, that we, we need see... to have a lot of nuance. I'm not saying we can't talk oh, about no, it. Oh no, absolutely, we need, we absolutely. There, it is not a direct correlation. Yeah, like there's you so know? many details in the books, um, but like as a kid who's reading Harry Potter for the first time, you won't really focus on it all that much. But as you reread it, when you get older, it's like, oh my gosh, all the implications of but this. But it is, it is fascinating in the way it can help spark conversations, you know, and it, it sparks thought processes with that. We, we talk about that in the book um, <laughs> and, and kind of go on with that. So... Yeah. I mean, yeah, and and it's one of the reasons I think that we don't have a lot of side background information on house elves is because it could be it is such a tricky thorny subject. Yeah, like um, it, mm-hmm. as much as you want to say that oh this is just incredibly fictional and it doesn't correlate to real world, like it does. You can't say anything that will change that fact. Yeah. So just best to stay away from it than to say something that you don't mean it to be having yeah. people like rubbed the wrong way but it does because this subject is just too hard to even talk about well and and, and slavery has been a part of human history for eons yeah um in pretty much all parts of the world and it's you know it's horrible and but it is one of those things where it's like we yeah, there's not like direct correlations, but it still brings up the fact in this fictional world of, of a way we can grapple with that idea um, through the plight of these these elves. Yeah. All right. I am I'm really looking for a sexy transition here. But, uh... <laughs> I would say there probably isn't one. Nope, nope. Um... Well, so it is interesting to think about how goblins also have a real life correlation that gets tricky to talk about, too. Because there's so many conspiracies. I mean, just as we're moving into goblins, there's so many conspiracies around like, oh, like this race or ethnicity or religious people like control the banks. And then we sort of actually get that with goblins and their whole controversy. And so that like <laughs> it's not a sexy transition, but it is a transition. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't have a lot of patience for this whole like the portrayal of goblins is a horrible thing because like. This is going off the folkloric tradition where, like, mm-hmm. goblins were always, like, the ones who guarded the treasure. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's very much within the folklore of the British Isles. And, yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely do see some of the criticisms about this um, in some of the descriptions and some of the things. Um, but, again, it, it, it very much gets... <laughs> It's so thorny. It gets so complicated uh, when we start talking about these kinds of things. But bring up your questions about in-universe with goblins, because these are interesting. All right. So uh, just like we talked about the house elf origins, um, I'm curious how the goblins ended up in charge of the wizard gold. Because, like, again... Wizards and goblins don't like each other very much. And judging by the snippets we get of Binz's history lessons, they have not liked each other very much for a very long time. So I'm really curious how the wizards were like, yeah, the goblins should totally guard our gold. My working theory for this was always that, like, there were lots and lots of wizards who, like, really didn't like each other and didn't trust each other. So they were like, you know what? Let's have a universally disliked third party in charge of the gold, and, like, then we know there's no funny business. Oh, see, this is interesting, because part of me is thinking 
it may have been almost like a savvy move on on the on the goblins part you know that they know that wizards and humans put a lot of stock in these precious metals and they have a lot of really good experience with you know with metals and so i wonder if it came about from that i wonder i wonder if goblins and wizards were ever more peaceful and cooperative we don't well not going back to like the 15th century but i but i wonder when all this started it became like that you know like i i wonder if well banking was like a thing in the like right around then right the middle ages it's, it, is when ba- it became a thing first the idea of a bank of other people holding on to your money it goes back in several different cultures way further back than that i'm gonna look it up Because now I'm curious. Oh. The history of bank. This is really fast, but like. Yeah, share with the class. The history of banking began with the first prototype banks, which were the merchants of the world who gave grain loads to farmers and traders who carried goods between cities. This was around 2000 BCE Mm -hmm. in Assyria, India, and Samaria. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, wow. That's such a long time ago. 4,000. Yeah, I guess like sort of, I was thinking banking, like you go to a building and like you give them your gold coins type of banking. Well, I mean, but but there were definitely, oh, ooh. Okay, there's more. In ancient Greece and during the Roman Empire, lenders based in temples gave loans while accepting deposits and performing the change of money. Mm -hmm. Archaeology from this period in ancient China and India also shows evidence of money lending. And we know there were coins, you know, way, way back. So Yeah, which means that there's some sort enough. of monetary All system. Right. But not necessarily a bank. This is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> History of banking is really cool. Like it doesn't sound cool, but it's really neat. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated now. I feel like I'm a go on a Wikipedia rabbit hole after this episode. <laughs> Don't use Wikipedia, um, kids. Use the sources that are linked in Wikipedia. Sorry. <laughs> but Wikipedia Sam. is a place to start to read Great to get to ideas. <laughs> as long as you check the sources on it. Yes. It's kind of like making me, for some reason, go down a rabbit hole of like at Gringotts. They have so many galleons, but like say you need to purchase something that requires so many galleons. Do they have the wizarding equivalent of checkbooks? Or do you literally have to oh, lug be, around? That's a great question. Like, imagine oh. lugging around hundreds of galleons. I think you have to lug them around because I think checkbooks became a thing after the statute of secrecy. Yeah. I do I do wonder if there are special accesses to vaults, though, like Hermione's bag, but you reach right into your vault. Well, um, you, actually... You can... You can... No, nope, I stand corrected. Um, checks are said to have first been used in 1681. Oh, dang. When cash-trapped oh. businessmen in Boston mortgaged their land. Well, but... And we, we know you can just tell them to take the, the money out of your vault because that's what that's Sirius true. does to get the firebolt, right? He says, get the get the money out of this specific vault at Gringotts. So there must be a system... Oh gosh, that there must be a system where there it's like it's like a almost like a debit card, you know, where you say like here's my account and I love that the British goblins are like basically Swiss banks are like, yeah, known criminal, sure. You got a note yeah, like, that's signed in his hand. Like, whatever. Well, well, he uses. Him, I mean, he uses I'm Harry's still convinced name, but... that Crookshanks brought that note to Gringotts, and they're like, "That seems like a trustworthy cat." But <laughs> Does Crookshanks take the Hogwarts Express to get to London then? Yes, because that's that's the short story I need written. 
<laughs> like I need this like animated short film in front of the oh, next Wizarding World movie. Short I'm film. just saying. Oh, animated silent short film with just a little cute soundtrack would be amazing. Oh my gosh, I yes. need it. I need it. I need it. <laughs> Listeners, if you animate, please, for the love of God, make that. Yes. Like, there's also, I need like, it. There's another rabbit hole, though, because, like, why need the Philosopher's Stone if you could grab a galleon? Because galleons are meant to be actual gold. And just use Dominio so you would have multiple galleons then transfigure said galleon. Because anything made by the Dominio curse disappears. Yeah. Um, oh. After a few hours. But then again, you can also transfigure something. If you if you have even just a bit I, of something. I don't think you can. I think precious metals are one of the yeah. exceptions to Gamp's law. Otherwise, their currency system would make no and sense. I, and I think it, it has to... I think they must be imbued with some sort of goblin magic that make that's not possible to replicate, replicate. because otherwise like, yeah, you can't it copy be... the you can't uh, copy the sword of gryffindor in a way that a goblin can't tell that it's not real yeah yeah but i'm sure counterfeit money exists well like if you can't oh like, i'm sure counterfeiting it. exists i mean literally hermione made some Wait, like if you can't like you can't copy something or use money but you could also just like get rich in the wizarding world since, I mean, it can't be that expensive to convert muggle money into galleons, because otherwise Hermione wouldn't be able to get that many galleons. Because as great as her parents right. are, I don't think she'd be able to afford that much, because you're literally going to buy golden coins. I mean, Hermione, Hermione is comfortably middle class. She's yeah. like the daughter of two dentists. Well, yeah, yeah but like dentists. if it was like as high as the rate, if you were to actually buy gold that heavy... It would still be pretty hard to, like, get that much gold over the years. So if it's just at a lower cost, why not just exchange your muggle money for a galleon, then pawn the galleon in a muggle pawn shop, then use that money rinse and repeat? Oh, I see. You're saying you're saying essentially that um, the galleons are going to be actually worth more than the goblins it, like, are, yeah, like are in the allowing muggle you world. to pay for. Mm, yeah, because like they're pure gold. I wonder if there's something that keeps them from being used or passed around in the Muggle world. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could literally I mean, I'm also that. sure it is very illegal oh, to put galleons into the Muggle world. And I'm amazing. also sure that you could track them Maybe. somewhat easily. That seems so, like a thing. Well, yeah, but like yeah. we don't know. So it's within the realm of possibility, <laughs> even though it's pretty stupid. I bet someone's run that scam. Like it, it, it's just yeah, very possible. Mundungus Fletcher. <laughs> let's be honest. And I, I want to know if there's. This is very off topic of what we're talking about, but I really want to know if, like, for instance, Fred and George ever decide to get into like Muggle things, and so just turn a lot of their wizarding money into Muggle money, and like have Ferraris and then buy soccer teams. Like they're the owners of Chelsea FC and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, they could. They're already, like, pretty rich. Well, I don't think Fred though. lived long enough for that to happen. Oh, no. You know, his son, I'm talking oh. about I'm talking about Fred Weasley, the son. Sorry, I should have been more clear. Ah, Fred Jr.? Okay. Yeah. Fred, Fred Is it Jr.? I think Is it's he a the junior? second. Well, let's <laughs> no, just No, I think it's the like second. Fred 2.0. Fred A. I... Okay, now now I'm picturing them going full like Ted Lasso on something, which is hilarious. Love that. Um, it's also like pretty hilarious though, because like they're so into just tinkering with magic, they've literally created an entire joke product lineup. Yeah. So like, imagine that interest was somehow transferred to Muggle 
technology so they could make all sorts of stupid, chaotic creations in the Muggle world, and it sells out pretty great. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two. Could you imagine Arthur's glee if George got really into muggle stuff and, like, became, like, an owner of muggle businesses and just was like, hey, my dad's going to sit on this meeting. And he's just like sitting in a conference room being like, what, what is this thing? Zoom. This is crazy. And you use these little mask things to protect from illnesses. That's amazing. Yeah. Like imagine like Arthur Weasley's first time seeing a projector. (laughs) Well, no, there's a projector at Hogwarts. So he's definitely seen that movieism. In the movies. Then like a television. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like enchanted when you know the prince like like sees the television. He's like magic mirror. (laughs) There's just so many things that like Arthur Weasley would be so fascinated by. Like literally, like on Reddit, there are so many shower thoughts. But then another shower thought is that wizards may not actually have showers because their technology is so archaic. I mean, they used to just evaporate their own feces, so... They do. No, they have showers. They have showers. It's it's confirmed in the books. They have showers. Oh, they do? Yep, because well, Oliver tries bath. to drown himself. Oh, right. Yeah, he tries to drown himself in the showers. I love him. Because <laughs> I'm losing. I, I hope uh, that the showers are just them conjuring weather and making it rain on them in a bathroom. That actually <laughs> sounds amazing, and I'm down. Imagine, like, conjuring your own rain cloud. And like, okay, I'm having a shower with a rain cloud, so like, give me some privacy. <laughs> Excellent. Back to goblins. Back to goblins. So do you think this whole, like, goblins um, running the bank is just a British thing, or is it a worldwide thing? It's so hard to say. Like, I... Yeah, that's an, yeah. Like, we, we barely have information. My instinct says... It's pretty worldwide. My instinct, but I literally, I literally have no basis for that. My, my like slight inkling of a basis is that I feel like lots of wizards wouldn't want to use a goblin-run bank if there were other options. See, I feel like I feel like, like I I feel like you know the Malfoys would go like bank and friends. There's so if, there's so much history that we don't know, right? We don't know if like UK yeah. goblins struck a deal with wizards where they get banking 
because they're not getting wands, but at least the rebellion will stop. And then, like, I, I think my instincts are to shy away from any Eurocentrism. So, like, the idea that, like, you know, the school in Uganda might not use wizarding, like, the same system that the British school and government does. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. Probably not. Because who knows what goblins are like in other cultures? Who knows if goblins yeah. are in other areas? Like, there's just so many questions. Also, like, are go- like where are goblins, like, native from. We don't know. It could also be like the the reasons why goblins yeah. are so uh into Gringotts in the UK is because most goblins live in the UK. So maybe they don't sure. live in other parts of the world and they don't Well, but we know we know there's there's branches of Gringotts and there's goblins in at least Egypt, Egypt because yeah. Bill, Bill works there for a while. But that could just be yeah. one yeah. bank and that's like the goblin bank, right? And it, Yeah. And the British yeah, people like, are just like this well, is the safest so, place. Actually, Talk of regions, I wanted to ask you guys this. So goblins are the only beings that have their own language mm-hmm. that we know of. I mean, people are not beings. They have their own language. Uh, but the only ones we know are goblins who speak gobbledygook. Which is just so a great I'm, name. Well, there's troll. Oh, it's a fantastic name. We know troll. But trolls are not beings. Point and they're too dumb. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. So my question is, is gobbledygook, do you think, a region-specific language? Like... Or is it, you know, a universal goblin language? Because, like, I was kind of thinking region-specific, you know, kind of like um, sign language, where you have, where it's completely different in different countries. Right. Ooh, that's very, that's I mean, very yeah. interesting. Language it depends on if, it depends on if the w- Wizarding World, if goblin is the name for the entire species and all goblins call themselves that, or if that's just an <laughs> English word. You know, and then if that's just an English word, I, then it sounds like it's the English version of saying goblin language. Yeah. I think my again, my gut feeling with like no evidence for it is that there would be different dialects. Yeah, you know? yeah. like how oh, yeah. there's there's like Spanish in Spain and mm-hmm. there's Spanish in Central America and there's Spanish in South Mexico. America, and you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I you know what I agree with you there. I think that makes the most sense. Yeah, like it yeah. just all originates from go- gobbledygook and like there are slight variations depending yeah. on your well, age. Yeah. Or or even like all romance languages, you yeah, know, that's like a, that's how, example I would how yeah. French and Spanish and Latin French, and all these Spanish, things Italian, kind of have mm-hmm. yeah. Or then you get Germanic languages yeah. and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. So guys, with all these dialects of gobbledygook why doesn't Hogwarts offer foreign language electives, especially under a polyglot like Dumbledore? It's a huge oversight. There's a whole um, <laughs> y- y- listeners. You should go back and listen to the um, International Schools podcast that we did with Thea James. Oh, I did a few months ago. That was a um, great episode. We go over like the, all of my thoughts on this is there, but it's a giant oversight. I yes. yeah, like the, there's so <laughs> yeah. Many like languages. there's no excuse. I There's mean, absolutely no excuse. I think some of it goes back to this kind of wizard-centric mindset that a lot of them have. That even, like, this bias, even if they don't understand, like, a systematic bias where, like, no one feels the need to know these things because but, they don't. But, 
But that's not true because they, um, wizards who do speak these languages are very highly esteemed. Like, we see Percy obsessing over Barty Crouch, where he's like, he speaks 200 languages, he speaks Mermish and Gobbledygook and all these things. And same with Dumbledore, um, like, the fact that he speaks Mermish is like, ooh, ah. Yeah. So, like, I think it's seen as something desirable in the wizarding community, and Dumbledore is just failing I mean, at setting a maybe curriculum. Maybe their funding yeah. got cut, and they just can't afford a foreign language teacher. They can't afford a goblin to, you know, come in and teach. Maybe they wanted Flitwick to do that, and he just refuses. Or, like, if not even just, like, different languages for different uh, magical beings, what about, like, different, like, actual languages? Because there, there's got to be some variation in spells if you come from a different country, there's got to be French curses or yeah. like hexes that only the French know. And why not know more about the history of that and how you could maybe apply that and create some sort of mixed sort of magic type with a different country's language and your own. A plus. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly why. Like, there's also other classes that they don't have. Like, you mean to tell me that wizards can somehow compute nuts galleon sickles when they'd never had math class well they were homeschooled in math until they went to hogwarts that's long enough to know how to multiply and divide well yeah but but like imagine statistics calculus i mean do they oh no one no one needs to take statistics i hated that class (laughs) i I don't remember anything from it so the usual, like, fanon headcanon, though, is that arithmancy is basically wizarding math. Yeah, but then it should be required. It's not, though. Yeah. Yeah, like, instead of, like, instead of it being an elective, it should probably be required. Like, mm-hmm. like arithmancy is essentially psychology, not math. Yeah. It does have math involved <laughs> in it, but you're right. Ah, uh, yes, it it has addition. <laughs> Ooh. Ah. Uh. <laughs> um, so, I actually... I really liked Joe's decision um, in crafting these books not to go, like, full token and, like, you know, write out all of the gobbledygook, you know, to, like, show off how she can make a language. Like, I love that the text is just, like, the goblins were speaking gobbledygook and Harry didn't understand it. And that's all there is to it. That's because Tolkien was just, like, extra AF about (laughs) everything. Like, I'm sorry, Tolkien, you are not writing the Bible. You don't need to list the generations of every single freaking character. No one cares. Can we get back to what's happening? God, I can't wait for the Tolkien (laughs) fans to get. If only there were anything happening, we could get back to it, but, uh... Uh. Yes. But, like, it's not even Tolkien. It's also, you know, um... George R. R. Martin and, well, Christopher Paolini wanted to be token, but yeah, like, I feel like it, it's a big trope in a lot of, like, high fantasy mm-hmm. and, like, it it was such a relief not yeah. to have that in Harry Potter and I feel like that makes it much more accessible yeah. to, like, less intense nerds. Well, it, streams, it streamlines, you're choosing plot and character over world building, which I feel like is always the better choice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I told him the, the same thing that, I, that I'm telling you right now. Uh, you know, uh, shut up. Um, so, if there were ever an eighth story after the seven books, like, I always thought that it should totally be about a goblin I'm war. Because, like, right? Because, like, Deathly Hallows did not leave wizard goblin relations in a good place. No, in fact, if, like, it, I feel like it know, makes it worse. <laughs> like, you, you really get more Oh, it absolutely makes it worse. It. Yeah. Like, 
the goblins are mad at, you know, the wizards because the Death Eaters were terrible, and the wizards are, like, not happy because the goblins did not help take down Voldemort, other than destroying all the Horcruxes. And, like, specific goblins are mad at Harry. Yes! Oh, yeah, and... And it's, like, going to be way worse because Harry's definitely going to be hailed as, like, one of the greatest figureheads and one of the saviors, and, and he's going to recount his tale. And he is definitely not giving back that sword. Yeah, and, like, no. yeah, and then, like, aside from goblins hating wizards because of that, wizards are also going to hate goblins even more because they're going to hear about Harry's story of Griphook abandoning them in Gringotts. It's just more animosity brewing between them. yeah. Like honestly, I could I could see the wizards imposing a Carthaginian peace on the goblins. <laughs> like frankly, I think they might have after some of the rebellions already, <laughs> but I feel like it would only get worse. Oh, definitely. I just I think I'm just personally not interested in that story at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you gonna, like, pl- are you gonna play Hogwarts a... Legacy though? Because that's seems like that's what that's oh, gonna be. About. I can't oh, wait for gosh, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Legacy. Legacy. I played I played what was the one for like two months and then i gave up but, i just don't but play that, video games that's so different than but either the ones hogwarts mystery or the wizarding pokemon go wizards unite which the, i played the to one. the bitter Those end are so different than a, a narrative based game i still yeah. i i don't play video games like i never really but have this is, so i mean i don't but for hogwarts legacy oh i will but I also would, it seems like but like i don't have an xbox or anything so you can play it on a computer oh, yeah, yeah i oh i i have oh. a hard time my eyes for some reason have a hard time tracking those kinds of things i'm terrible at them um because like in college i tried like with some friends and stuff but my eyes have a hard time like tracking that and with the like the certain kind of hand-eye coordination you need for that like mm. i just i don't know I don't think I ever developed it because I didn't play them growing up, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just—it does seem like Irvin, to to your point, this is what Hogwarts Legacy is is about, ish. Which, thank God, I do not want any more about Albus Dumbledore. I do not want to know about Grindelwald. I do not want to know about Voldemort. I feel like that story has been told. Let's move along, people. Yeah, there's like, definitely going to be I, a shout out to like new. Dumbledore's grandfather, though. Yeah, you definitely. know that you're going to come across. I mean, a student who's like, yes, I'll accept it. But as long as Minerva McGonagall isn't time traveling and like <laughs> Voldemort doesn't have, you know, grandchildren who got a super duper powerful time turner, I'm like, good. <laughs> Leave Severus it. Snape, oh, Leave Severus it. Snape appears, being like, yeah, I know I'm about to die, so I went back in time for forty years. Uh... I do hope we get um, uh, Sirius's grandfather. <gasps> Phineas Nigelis. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, because he... um, Uh, Like, he's already so good. No, he wouldn't have been headmaster um, at that point. He'd be really young. Yeah, so maybe he's... Because Hogwarts Legacy is in the 1880s, right? Right. Well, yeah, but it would still be interesting to, like, see snippets of him because he's such a hilarious character, even as a portrait. Was Phineas Nigelis black headmaster when Dumbledore was there? Um, so we don't know exactly when he became headmaster, Mm -hmm. but he was born in 1847. So like... He could be a teacher then. Well, okay. We also don't know. We also don't know when Dumbledore was born and how old he is. So like... It's all a little fuzzy. Uh, but my impression was always that Phineas was the headmaster right before Armando Dippet. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And for that, you can pick up my book, Dumbledore, The Life and Lies, and turn to Appendix A. (laughs) Moving back to goblins. Yes, back to goblins. Um, So, zooming out a little uh, from goblins, one of the things (laughs) that I found really, really interesting is how Joe does a, like, you get weirdos in every bunch thing for house elves and centaurs. Sort of the other two, like, top billing creatures in the fountain. um, Where, like, all the house elves are, like, totes happy, like, you know, being, you know, servants and taking care of their families and obeying orders. And then there's Dobby. And similarly, all the centaurs are aloof and want nothing to do with wizards and, like, don't care who lives, who dies. But then there's Ferenz. But we never got a, like, weirdo of the bunch for goblins. Yeah. We we don't know goblins well enough. Like, we finally start to get to know what Griphook is like a little bit. But that's that's our real first introduction to goblins up close. So there's not really time to develop a weird goblin. We really only see goblins at all. Like, Griphook is really the only goblin we really truly see. Up close. If we got Hermione's POV, maybe we would have gotten this. Because Harry's just an... Like, he's... His observance is comparable to that of, like, a brick walls. Well, I don't don't know, though. Because I feel like goblins almost self-isolate in some ways from wizards. Because I I think there's... There is... There's there's not a lot of trust between them. But I think there is an uneasy kind of peace... So they're not going to willingly, they're not going to like, they don't absolutely hate on each other, Mm -hmm. but they're also not going to willingly mix. And so that's kind of the impression I get. And so I think maybe that's why. So kind of like high school cliques. Yeah. We would have needed Bill and Fleur's perspective, not Hermione's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, anyone else who isn't Harry, basically, who's had experience (laughs) with goblins. Well, Bill does say he's like, he's like, there are goblins that I'm friendly with, but they're like deeply mistrusting and, and you know, and there's yeah. there's a lot of uneasiness between just between wizards and goblins yeah. in general. That so. is such a, a beautifully written moment and giving Bill some character depth when he pulls Harry aside to be like, Listen, you don't know what you're doing with Grip Hook. Let me explain some things to you. It's a very big brother moment. Like older it's brother, so not big brother. Great. Older brother. <laughs> Very big brother. <laughs> 1984, here we go. Whoops. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that bit in Deathly Hallows. Um, I just feel like for, you could have done it. Like, if Joe had wanted to, like, to sort of complete the set, like, Bill could have brought, like, here is my one, like, friendly goblin co-worker. Like, he's at oh, the order yes. headquarters and he wants to help. But, like... There isn't a one like that anyone encounters that we see. Yeah, yeah, like true. not yeah. even mentioned in passing. Just no well, one. Yeah, I mean, there, there's almost. I think in this situation, getting someone to help would mean they want to get involved, and I think it's made pretty clear that they're like, nope, not not our problem. We're not getting involved. Well, and actually, I I will quibble with that just quibble with that just a little bit because I through proxy we do know that. Flitwick has goblin ancestry, which means that there mm. was a goblin who wanted to get involved. Yeah, yeah, well done. <laughs> so, there, in terms of you, oh. weirdos or whatever, there is there is some textual evidence there that there are that there is some diversity of thought among goblins. Yeah, it makes you wonder. So, like, 
goblins as beings participate in wizard government, right? And, like, do you think they're still just trying to mess everything up for everyone? No, I think that they actually really want to to define systems. Yeah. I mean, the whole, like, how the wizard government participation looks, I'm so curious. Like, what about the house elves? Like, how can you have a house elf, like, representing the race in government when... His master can just tell him what to do and what to say. Well, that's where the trickiness with that, that, you know, pure democracy comes in is it's a pure democracy, but we oppress these certain people. So we're not actually yeah. going to let them be involved. Yeah. Basically them keeping yep. face and pretending to have a democracy when in reality, yes. no, no, it's just, is ideal. Yeah. Idealistic, uh, you know, things, but in practice, there's always discrimination and things like that. All right, so Vila, moving on to Vila. The first time we encounter Vila, of course, is at the Quidditch World Cup where they are brought as Bulgarian mascots. And I'm just going to say, I feel like bringing beings as mascots is like not politically correct. I see it kind of as like cheerleaders. (laughs) Yeah, but which isn't great either. uh, Yeah, that's a whole messed up. But wait, wait, wait. Are, are, Are leprechauns beings then? No, leprechauns are beasts. Oh. Why? They can't speak, can they? Or like, what? What's the reason they made why a, they make a giant middle finger? So they obviously understand. I mean, leprechauns just aren't intelligent enough. Like they sort what? of like, yeah. But they can. They understand human systems of language well enough to Not be able to nec- form uh, gestures. It's explained in Fantastic Beasts why. Yeah, and now I can't remember oh, off the top in of my the head. book in the actual yeah. book. Okay, so I haven't read it yeah. in so long. So leprechauns okay, are fine. more intelligent than the fairy and less malicious than the imp, the pixie, or the doxy. Alone of the little people, leprechauns can speak, though they never requested classification as beings. Okay. So yeah, um, I guess like sort of, they were uninterested. They're like, we're going to, you know, hang out in our forests, you know, yes, chase our Irish rainbows forests. and hide our pots of gold. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so vilas, vilas are weirdly mascots for some reason yeah it's, yes it's like weird because like if if they weren't described to be mascots and were instead just cheering on the teams it would be way better but no they're actually said to be mascots yeah. so that just <laughs> yeah uh, it's yeah yeah, yeah. like so I mean, like, like, unless Vila's were just so supportive of that of a particular Quidditch team, and they're like, okay, why don't we be the face of this team and just cheer them on because we absolutely love it? That's the only way that it constitute as something that's right, even though it's not even close to right because they're still said to be mascots. Unless they themselves offered it up, it's just so. I mean, the Velo, the Velo were obviously like willing participants. Yeah, you know, and, no one like frog well, but, marched them onto the pitch, but like, and I also it's wonder, still not great. I also wonder since they're considered beings, if they're, I mean, obviously they're the mascots for Bulgaria. Are they in a different position in Bulgaria? Are they treated more equally to wizards in Bulgaria? Are they venerated more there? You know, like th- I think there's a lot of questions with that. I mean, well, I feel so, like they definitely are treated good because, you know, wizards are in power and wizards like Vila. That, I mean, yeah. Well, but so. they, what if they're just part of, like, some weird sex industry, right? 
Oh gosh, I don't want to think Sam, about that. Why, why can't we have nice things? You you can't. I, you're never allowed to have nice things when I'm here. <laughs> I might evidently question, not. This is a very like 2022 view and not a like 2000s view of of mascots and sports. But like we've had yeah. two decades worth yeah. of like battling about the Washington professional. Now now the commanders like their their mascots and can you use indigenous peoples? But like, you know, now we've got the Cleveland Guardians. You still have the Golden yeah. State Warriors and the Atlanta Braves. I, I understood like three words of that. I understand. I understand Anyways. what you're talking about. I understand what you're talking about, Sam. Yeah. My brain only took in so Golden like, State Warriors. That's it. Are, <laughs> are they the Bulgaria Vila? And are they using this indigenous magical being population as like an attempt to honor but it's coming off weirdly and like velas are participants because like this is one of the only ways to have a job there like what what is happening in this sport in order to do that but that's that that could also be its own podcast and it's also interesting because again like i said before velas sound very much like they're coming from the tradition of like sirens and selkies and and those kinds of of folkloric creatures beings whatever so uh I actually, I didn't know this until I started researching, but Vila are actually heavily featured in Eastern European mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're a real thing. S- sort of a cross between sirens and, like, fairies as okay, okay. they show up in Western mythology. Like, they're not sort of from, like, the Ukrainian-Russian tradition as much as, like, Serbia, Bulgaria, Poland, like and thereabouts. kind of? Mm-hmm. Uh, more Balkan than Baltic, okay. but yeah. I'm not super familiar with that folklore. Um no, me neither. But, like, this, this also absolutely stems from folklore and, like, oh, Bulgarian yeah. folklore yeah. appropriately. Um, but, yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that it, information. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it helps explain some of the things that happen around them and with them. So, talk of what happens around them and with them. I was always curious. What would be their effect on... So, assuming female Vila, which, stick a pin in it, <laughs> what would be the effect of a female Vila on gay men or lesbians? Like, I always assumed the attraction is based on sexuality rather than gender, but mm-hmm. this is never explicitly stated on account of, you know, there being one uh, gay character in the series who we don't see hang out with Vila. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what what's what's the... what's in the folklore? Because I know, like, sirens, it's usually specifically noted as being men. Yeah. It's and I well, think that's because the sailors yeah, were sailors. men. Yeah. And I want to say selkies were usually just men, too. Well, I, I'm wondering, too, like, I mean, this all goes into stuff that we don't know about. But is it, like, a chemical thing that messes with the human body? Rather than, like, the magic is moving chemicals into your system. Or is it just specifically a magical thing that is, as you're pointing to, Irvin, so, like, playing so on sexuality. It's, it's a mental thing. It's a mental thing because we see Harry resisted much yeah. easier than Ron. Oh, um, sure, but that could even be chemically based, right? That, it, it depending on what your your brain chemical... I mean, I, al- I always assumed like. it's because Ron, like, was much more, like, sexually interested in girls than Harry was. I feel, mm. like, I feel like it could also... Be- it could be like a mix of sexuality and maybe also a mix of like maybe Vila's give off certain pheromones that make males mm-hmm. specifically just, you know, want to jump them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm now uh, thinking of Ron literally jumping as in <laughs> stabbing. <laughs> 
Like, just... <laughs> Imagine, like, Ron just, like, leaping off the Quidditch, <laughs> like, their own stand, just like, okay, let's let's find Vila date, because Fleur's asking Fleur out definitely went well. Yeah. Um, and I'm just saying, I bet Vila feature so heavily in wizarding advertising yes. oh my like especially in like places where you know they're oh, more prevalent absolutely. like with this makeup attract your man like a vila would they're like vila the new perfume can you imagine oh, can you imagine yes the this love potion industry? works better than any vila magic yeah, right exactly like can you imagine the modeling industry and how many People might be lying on their resume, being like, I have Vila ancestry. I'm 116th oh, Vila. And it's just a total lie. 100%. Oh my gosh. Wait, what about like Vila's? Like, if they don't, if they have a lack of like occupation in the wizarding world, what if they just go into the muggle world and be models in the muggle world? Oh man, that's a great, that's a great headcanon. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Like, they just. I mean, it, when we get to the inevitable Devil Wears Prada Wizarding World universe, <laughs> cinematic universe, <laughs> we have our entry point. Meryl Streep is absolutely 116th Vila in that movie. <laughs> oh, zero doubt. Zero doubt. Gosh, like, Vila's just... And there's also, like, this one, like, fic where it was lightly brushed upon, but, like, what if wizards just keep trying to replicate how Vila's look... And they're just, like, trying, like, for an example, they sometimes, like, ask for a veal of blood. Like, if you could volunteer some veal of blood and we can try to see its magical properties and maybe we could make bet, us younger. I bet it would be kind of, like, quick spell. Like, I bet there'd totally be scams of a, like, you know, this will infuse you with a bit of veal magic. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that type like, of nonsense. This will make you, like, a veal. That's fascinating, though. The idea of taking, like, you know how, like, a lot of perfume has, like, whale poop in it? Like taking Vila, whatever, wait, it does. Like, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. What? Look it up. Um, All right, yeah. I learned. Yes, uh, I'm even happier that I use native deodorant because <laughs> there's like there's like specific chemicals and lots of different things. Like there's a specific coffee that people love that is. Uh, it, uh, that coffee bean goes through a bird's digestive tract and comes out with excrement on it that is very tasty to humans. Um, cool. There's all sorts of weird stuff. Sorry about <sighs> ruining nice things again. Sam, like, it, <laughs> Sam, imagine, like, why can't we have nice things? Like, like you know, it's called like yellow 26 in, in some lotion cream, but it's just like Vila boogers. Like, I'm sure Ew. that's a real thing. Oh, no. Ew. Move on. That's gross. <laughs> Move on. Move on. Um, just a note on uh, the biology um, of it all. There is some inference from Apocrypha um, that there are no male Vila, by which I mean many, many, many moons ago, like princess around the time you were born, uh, <laughs> Joe Rowling <laughs> um, put tests on her old website called The Wombats. Um, where you had to pick, like, which statement was false. So the lexicon, through their, you know, deductive reasoning and all that, figured out that one of the statements that should be true is that there are no male Vila. So, I mean, is that canon just about? Uh, But yes, in that case, I cannot understand how we would have full Vila. Because, like... It would be impossible. Unless they're producing asexually. Yeah, that that would be the only way. Unless, um, it, unless it's kind of like maledictus, where it's just like passed on from mother to daughter. No, because but then that would mean um, that Fleur is a hundred percent. Fleur's Vila. 
Yeah, Fleur's mother oh, yeah. is a it woman, daughter of Avila. Down yeah. down the matriarchal yeah, line. Yeah, no, like, there's no way to make the, like, so, you know, little gene tree work. So, I mean, if we look at some of the folklore, hello, I've been studying folklore again in, you know, Googling. There were male selkies. Ooh. And I, I haven't seen anything about male sirens. Um... But but that's because like gods created sirens by like pointing at a rock and zapping. Yeah, them in. and they're and well, no, they're the daughters of uh, somebody. I don't remember who. Um, like one of the ocean or sea or river gods or something in in Greek mythology. But uh, okay, this is, listen to this. Male selkies are described as being very handsome in their human form and having great seductive powers over human women. They typically seek those who are dissatisfied with their lives, such as married women waiting for their fisherman husbands. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, okay, actually, Allison, you bring up a good point, though, because it, it might be that creating full villas is just like you take a one one villa, let's assume they're only women, and then they do like somewhat of a basilisk thing where they have to sit on a you know, ostrich egg for 26 hours before, and then an actual baby human villa is hatched or something like that. <laughs> like, like that's possible. Oh my gosh. So I looked it up like for the male sirens thing. And apparently uh, male sirens existed beside female sirens in early ancient Greek mythology. And the male sirens were calmly depicted as a half bird creature. Oh, yeah. Similar to the female sirens, except like they had beers, but they just eventually disappeared from depiction because most people just iconically remembered sirens as extremely dangerous mermaids. Yes, well, and yes. also a lot of uh, a lot of the Greeks that we have stuff from were pretty misogynistic, so of course they would <laughs> yeah, only lovely. mention seductive women um, that yeah. killed sailors. I mean, like, uh, how can it not be misogynistic when you have Zeus as the ringleader of it all? It's true. Yeah. Um, very true. All right. Uh, so moving on to another very interesting reproductive question. Let's talk giants. Oh, giants. <laughs> and let's talk half giants. Hagrid. So we know from the text that a female giant can reproduce with a human male. Now, am I right in thinking that the logistics just would not work the other way around? Uh, it's got to be. Unless, ha, unless the the male giant is like a dwarf um, version. I'm <laughs> just going to say as a woman, I don't want to try it. So, <laughs> Right? Like, childbirth sounds bad enough as yeah. is. Imagine having to birth like a huge child, like a, little, a, bi- a supposed could- baby, but it's like feet big. Nope. No, no. I, I wonder no. if you could. Nope. I wonder if you nope. could artificially do it. <laughs> Allison, how do you feel about it? Nope. No. Find a different uterus. <laughs> nope. I wonder if they could do it in an artificial womb. Like, I wonder if that's been attempted. Oh, probably. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it's been attempted with very disastrous results. Oh, definitely. Fantastic. They've had. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be human male, female giant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The interesting thing about giants is that, like, I mean, that's actually a really sad thing. Uh, they're going extinct because, uh, like, the wizards force them all to live in close proximity together, which they are not meant to, which, like, I relate. My family and I are also not meant to live in close proximity to each other. <laughs> uh, so they just keep killing each other off. Like, there used to be a 100 tribes, according to Hagrid. By the time he visits them, there's only 70 or 80 giants, like, full stop. Mm-hmm. And that's before, before like, mass massacre, yeah. 
Yeah, before, like, half of them die while he's there. It's interesting. It it reminds me of, like, certain endangered species, you know, that as yeah. humans, like, encroached on their, on their habitats and they were forced closer and closer together, they... They're not meant to live. I can't even think of one right now. This is so dumb of me. White rhinos. Oh, yeah. There's them. Um, you know, like, like they need more space than they have. And that's kind of the sense I Blue get from whales giants. Are, that's an issue that's coming yeah. up. That's the, that's the sense I get from giants as well, is that they're not meant to live that close together. They need more space. And so they are killing each other because they're not there's too much like innate competition from that yeah but like the thing is even if the wizard like even if the wizarding government was trying to be gracious about it they can't exactly let like giants roam around not just in wizarding communities but like near muggle cities yeah that too imagine like the pure chaos yeah i mean that it's a big comment on human footprints and how yeah. when we restrict species land it ends up causing a big issue yeah yeah and i mean like i th- yeah sort of i can't think of a solution here like i mean with endangered species you like institute a breeding program but like a can't do that not with really yeah appropriate with beings second of all i don't know how you're gonna tell giants to breed like that yeah, that you do yeah, this i feel like I, they're gonna breed when they damn well feel like it unless um, the imperious curse works on them but that's a whole lot of yuck oh no yeah, yeah no, that is wait no, oh no, ew, no. Ew. sam unless, why can't no. we have nice things like <laughs> maybe another thing that could work is like putting either aphrodisiac or love potion into their food Oh, interesting. Now, hold on. Now, what if you crossbred a giant and a vela? Oh, why? Why Uh, are we here? mm -hmm. (laughs) How would that even work? You'd have to have male vela, right? Yes, you would have to have male vela, but if those existed, I feel like we we figured it out. We've cracked the code. I don't like the pictures that are happening in the things we're uh... talking about. Mental image is going to scar me forever. I really hope that the title of this episode is not Sam, why can we not have nice things? I need a shower. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we move on from giants? I mean, yeah. Like, do you guys think there's any hope that they won't go extinct? Like, I'm sure Kingsley will, like, give them more space, but, like... But they don't even live in Britain. They live in France. No, they live, like, in the Ural Mountains, like, right. in Russia. So Kingsley I mean, has no... That would be the Wizengamot that would have to make that sort of decision, not Kingsley. I mean, yeah. unless Kingsley found him, like, a nice mountain in, like, Wales or something. I mean, like, <laughs> there's not... Okay, there's not very many mountains in Wales. I must say that. <laughs> or Scotland. Scotland has highlands. I know that for yeah, a fact. Yeah, but they're not very high. <laughs> like, I mean, ideally... Yeah, but also not very populated. Like, there's a lot more highland cows than there are, like, <laughs> you know, Scottish Maybe true. Maybe you could just give more uh, aisles. Like, each giant gets an aisle in Scotland. So now the coast Aww. just becomes uninhabitable. Hey, there you go. You can call it the giant archipelago. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I like it very much. Um, for Dementors, um, we've covered Dementors uh, top to bottom. I just want to talk about their classification. Because I included them uh, in this listing because, like, we know they are magical creatures in the books, but they are not fantastic beasts. However, 
there is a third classification uh, of non-beings. Uh, and this comes from a Pottermore article about Bogarts. Yes. So, uh, the phrasing here is ambiguous about whether Dementors are included in this. So I'm just going to read the whole paragraph. Like a poltergeist, a Bogart is not and never has been truly alive. It is one of the strange non-beings that populate the magical world, for which there is no equivalence in the Muggle realm. Bogarts can be made to disappear, but more Bogarts will, inev will inevitably arise to take their place. Like poltergeists and the more sinister Dementors, they seem to be generated and sustained by human emotions. So, it's unclear if that last sentence means that Dementors are included in these non-beings, or if just they're similar in that they are sustained by human emotions. No, I think they're included in that, because, yeah. I mean, we, everything we know about them is that they show up when there's a lot of like darkness and and bad human emotion they the they way they fog. like quote on yeah the way they quote unquote breed is kind of like mold almost you know like they yeah. just kind of like mm -hmm. I, permeate they're it's not like beings they're, just, they're like not beings fester well, from incredibly negative things i mean but but that has nothing how they breed and how they are formed has nothing to do with whether they are beings like beings is a political definition if Acromantula aren't included in beings because they can't overcome the need to eat people, Dementors in general cannot overcome yeah. their not. I'm not talking about exactly the soul suckingness, but they can't overcome their own sort of feeding off of the emotions and making everybody else miserable. So it seems like they would not fit the definition from the beginning of the episode. But is it really something that they can even control, even if they wanted to, or is it just something embedded in yeah. their sort of magic? That's. That's the point. It seems like can Acromantula control it? Yes, one can, but Dementors can they? It doesn't seem so. Right, so then they shouldn't but, fit. But the, the question, definition. the question becomes whether wizards are view that as an acceptable sort of side effect for Dementors to participate in government, and just judging by how much like how much they are part of wizarding society, like, the Ministry talks of allying themselves with Dementors. Not, like, using Dementors, but, like, mm -hmm. allying themselves. They're, just, they're yeah, given a lot like more they won't agency. Ally with giants or werewolves. Yeah, yeah. good point. Like, they're That's given a, a lot point. more agency and sentience in mm -hmm. the text compared to... I guess we've never heard a Dementor speak, and we don't know if they can vote. So participating in government like that, where you know goblins and house elves can vote, you know werewolves can vote, so you know giants can vote. We just don't know enough in terms of like, you know, Dementors, are their mouths used for more than just well, sucking? The Dementors can definitely communicate somehow. Like, because, you know, we hear about how they were furious and how, you know, they're looking for Sirius Black and all of that. But are they communicating, like, Muppets Christmas Carol's third ghost? Or are they communicating <laughs> by, like... <laughs> <laughs> or are they communicating Touché. by being like, Dumbledore, I'm furious. Can we please go inside? Sirius is in there. And Dumbledore's like, wow, I did not expect a Dementor to sound like that. That's crazy. Goodbye. I mean... <sighs> I it's it's the it's the comparison to things like poltergeist that gets me with those. Um, yeah, that man. I I don't know. I just something doesn't feel right in classifying them as beings. I mean, I ag I agree that I I feel like they shouldn't be classified as beings, but I think they might be classified as beings. Like that that's just, sort of my conflict there. 
it just seems a little weird to also be like, hey, you know, we're going to have these people act in government when they're like, the Dementor's ultimate meal is your soul. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that is also true of several other beings that are confirmed beings, hags and vampires. Well, Very yeah. Very true. But then again, Little we don't really know much eaten. of, like, vampires. There was one at Slughorn's Christmas party, and Sanguini yeah. just seemed like... Yeah. Sanguini genuinely just gave off emo kid vibes. <laughs> he wanted to eat a bunch of teenage girls. Well, I mean, that's basically Edward. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> guys gotta eat. Too many I mean, at least the guy was, like, Ooh. civil. He was just being a emo kid. Took him out for a date first. <laughs> like he's just like an emo kid. It's like eh, I wanna, I wanna snack on some girls, but you know what? Let's be polite and wait for the first date before I think of the actual plan. <laughs> Yuck. <Ooh>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hags and vampires are definitely the beings we know least about. Uh, at least in the case of vampires, Joe actually addressed this on Pottermore. She said, The vampire myth is so rich and has been exploited so many times in literature and on film that I felt there was little I could add to the tradition. In any case, vampires are a tradition of Eastern Europe, and in general I tried to draw from British mythology and folklore when creating adversaries for Harry. So, that's that's about it uh, for yeah. vampires. Uh, hags we know a little more about just through the Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. which pretty much most of what we know about hags is that they have a distinct taste for eating small children, but apparently they can overcome this enough to participate in government. I mean, this is another one. There aren't small children in the wizard gamut, so it, it's not a, when hags are around, it's not a good time to have bring your kid to work day. Oh, I see. <laughs> so so they don't mind if beings are, like, actively trying to kill members of wizarding society, as long as they're not trying to kill anyone in the wizard gamut when they meet for wizard council. Can, can you imagine being in the wizard gamut and stopping for a snack break and then everyone just side-eyeing the hags as they pull oh out, like, a gosh. drumstick? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, With a th- drumstick this is one, with some of these... I'm, I'm having this thought now that some of these, it's more of a courtesy than like, yes, we actually want you to be involved in government. Like <laughs> it's And like, they're not, it's more of like, we don't have a good enough reason for you not to be. Yeah. And they're like, sure, you're technically involved, but they're also not encouraging them to be involved. You know, it's kind of like uh, you can come here. But we're only, like, sort of inviting you because we don't want to get anyone angry, especially you, since you could quite literally yeah. eat our children. You yeah. Know, we like, hats are definitely, the like, class. the fourth cousin that you invite to a wedding because, yeah. like, you yeah. should. But, but, like, you're having a birthday party for a little kid and, you know, you got to invite the whole class, even the kid who pees his pants, you know, whatever. <laughs> Irving, didn't, you, didn't you figure out some information, though, about how ha- hags have been able to curtail some of their... Uh, eating tendencies. Yes. So this comes from the Daily Prophet newsletters that Joe wrote in the late 90s. Um, so deep, deep cut in the Apocrypha. But there was a little uh, thing in the Prophet. Actually, there were several items on hags, but there was one item that said, Professor Regulus Moonshine claimed to have discovered a potion to reduce a hag's craving for human flesh. Which, I mean... Kind of sounds like the Wolfsbane potion. So, you know, hags are being integrated more into society and, you know, help becoming vegetarians, presumably. Uh, 
Because, like, they need to be part of Wizarding Society because um, Goblet of Fire says hags are not as adept as wizards at disguising themselves and living among muggles. That's why they're, like, always in Hogsmeade and at the Leaky Cauldron. Cool. Yeah. Also, magical medical research sounds so cool. Like, finding (laughs) potions to, like, help hags and, like, werewolves live. But, like... It's also a dangerous oh, yeah. field because in the same article there was a line moonshine's ex- there uh, moonshine had extensive injuries several chunks of his face and neck had been bitten off gross yeah and in various other like apocrypha joe makes a lot of the villains in traditional fairy tales to have been hags all along like it turns out that like the queen who like you know hated Snow White was a hag, and the queen who like made a princess go into an enchanted sleep was a hag. I mean, hey, so sure. So do hags just <laughs> always put their put the children to sleep before eating them, and like let yes. them crystallize and sleep, and that's oh, why it takes no. them so long? No. Well, I mean, you don't want to oh. eat a living child. Oh, that's gosh. gross. Why? <laughs> Sam, you know, I can't let you have nice things. No. I mean, some people have crystallized pineapple, some have crystallized children. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. I mean, Allison, you're not the only person to object here because centaurs and mer people objected to being classified in the same category as hags and vampires. Which is why they decided to be beasts instead of beings. They're like, we're not part of any group that includes hags and vampires. Ew. Yeah, I'm living with them. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's very interesting that centaurs, you know, um, Hogwarts is like, the forbidden forest, you can't go in this forest, it's way too dangerous. And then like, centaurs, it's like the, that's like the reservation that they're given. <laughs> well, yeah. I think some of the students should not go in there is because of the centaurs. <laughs> I mean, and, and a lot of the other things in there. Well, yeah, but I mean... You know, giant giant, giant spider, you know, yeah. Werewolf, Werewolf cubs. cubs. Oh, gosh. And just one more note on hags and vampires, though. Both are considered dark, uh, at least based on, like, Lockhart's Defense Against yeah. Dark Arts curriculum. Yeah, but Lockhart sucks. And I'm like... Yeah. Well, yes. But, like, that sort of seems to be, like, an accepted part of the curriculum. You know, like, no one's like, oh, my God, are you saying, like, redheads are dark? How dare you? Yeah, but yeah. that's because wizard kind is stupid. Like, they're they're attributing dark, right? Just like Newt is trying to fight against how all beasts are considered dangerous. And he's putting together a hunting Counterpoint, guide. eating small children is dark. Uh, yep, yeah, but yep. well, yeah. it could just be a generational curse. <laughs> Could be. And, like, there's also one thing, like, wizards in general just, like, categorize things as dark or good. I mean, spells. They have dark spells. But literally any spell could be used to kill someone. To quote Wreck-It Ralph, just because I'm a bad guy does not mean that I'm a bad guy. End the episode. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so the last uh, being uh, that is actually classified properly as a being is werewolves, which obviously 
very tricky. Like, even the Wizarding World has realized there is nuance here, which is very unlike them. Uh, <laughs> but, like, werewolves are considered beasts when they are, you know, like, Gur-Arg in the full moon. Um, and they are considered <laughs> beings the rest the of the Gur-Arg time. The Gur-Arg phase, legally written down in the Wizengamot. <laughs> it's <laughs> referred to as the Erg phase. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, sorry. During their time of the month, werewolves are beasts. <laughs> Listen. And the rest of the time they are beings. <laughs> well, but the, the... Oh no, I just imagine. I mean, this is tricky. Time of the month makes me imagine a female werewolf having two oh, bad things imagine? at once. Oh, that's horrific. Ooh. Imagine having both at the same day, like... Oh Honestly, I'd rather be a, a like bloodthirsty wolf sometimes. <laughs> at least you could act on some yeah. of those feelings yeah. and it wouldn't be weird. I, I, I mean, and and sometimes there's a lot of overlap, you know, in the behavior. You're bloodthirsty, oh you want to bite See, things. I was trying to avoid any of these conversations, these jokes as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 1 a.m. where I am, so we've hit that point. Also, I want to give a shout out to Melissa Aaron, who goes by Mooney Prof online. Uh, if you guys ever have the chance to, like, see one of her presentations at a convention, she goes, like, deep, deep into, like, werewolf folklore and history and, like, genre conventions and, oh my god, like... Hers are often early in the morning, and I always wake up at like eight a.m. so I can like be at those presentations because oh, awesome. they must be good if you're getting wow. up at eight a.m. <laughs> they really are. Also, we so, should have her on this show now. I think absolutely. About it. Please come on the show, Mini. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Prof. Yeah. Um, and so werewolves, uh, the exciting new development in like the last like 10 years or so when these books are happening is the Wolfsbane potion, which like makes werewolves like just calm down and hang out and just like curl up as a harmless wolf and snooze yeah. during their time of the month. Yeah. They keep their human mind. Yeah. So yeah. you're basically a gigantic so, fur ball with yeah. you're a puppy. <laughs> I'm just mm -hmm. a little puppy. Which I I <laughs> bet if Sirius and I bet when Sirius and Lupin get together in order and when and you know they figure out that he's actually good and in Goblet that there are just times when Sirius and Lupin are just dogs together. Yeah. And they're cuddling. Yeah. Oh, so cute. I mean, that's that's what they did as teenagers, didn't they? You know, mm -hmm. when they were running around with James and Peter, they were all animals, all running around Hogwarts. So, imagine like I mean, Peter's I don't think Lupin was though. quite as cuddly a werewolf. Um, no, in those days, but uh, 
Yeah, same yeah. vibes. Like, I still hate Absolutely. Peter, but, like, imagine Peter running after them as a rat. Guys, 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 guys. Why? Oh, see, here's the thing. I, I always pictured Peter, like, riding on James's back as a deer. Yeah. Like, he's I just, know, like, I picture him, like, like, hanging from the antlers, like, yeah. you know, tail flapping in the wind. Whee! It's a miracle that Peter didn't get eaten. Yeah. My cute <laughs> image was when Lupin and Sirius are at Grimald Place... And Lupin is, like, curled up in front of the fire as his little wolf. And Sirius, like, turns into a dog and just, like, curls Aww. up next yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. Aww. Headcanon. Need the, need the fan art. Yes. And then I, I, I kind of have fan in, art of Molly this. Molly walks in or someone and is like, why are there two dogs sitting here? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have a sticker of this in my apartment. It is adorable. Aww. Cute. I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested of... <sighs> around surrounding like the wolfsbane potion and what it's like long-term effects are going to be on wizarding society yeah because like a like should it kind of be required for werewolves to take it for like public safety Um, and especially like if werewolves took the potion like all of them all the time it could be possible to theoretically eradicate lycanthropy, and Not- yes, this question is a lot pricklier to ask now than it was five years ago when I talked about <laughs> magical beings. I think, but there it is. It's, I mean, it's like any medical thing; you can't force anyone to do. It. We know, we know that lycanthropy what? is. You, you, you kind of can, though. That that's like that's been a, a big lesson in the last few years. Well, like. I feel like werewolves. Should. It's still contentious. Like it's oh, absolutely, it's, it's contentious. Yeah, it is like, and it's controversial. But like, I think that werewolves should be given it because, from what I see, there aren't really any bad things. It eases the effects. You don't have the problem and like fear of being attacked as a werewolf. You're basically just a cuddly ball for the whole night, and you can just stay. in Yeah, your room. but but you can, you can't force people. That's that's the thing. I think it should be more widely available so more people have the option. I'm with you there, know, Allison. It should be a example, public. It should be publicly given. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the like, ministry like, should have a potion yeah. maker at St. Mungo's that gives it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably like the only thing. I think it should be very heavily encouraged. Yeah, and like the only way that it there. could ever like be mandated is if, like, for an example, you're going to a gathering. And it's the full moon. Like, you know you're about to turn. Just take it if you're going to go to, like, a public space. Because it would endanger everyone yeah. there. Any any governmental bodies that own that area could enforce a restriction. That would be fine. Private entities don't have to. Yeah. I mean, this this is a really big conversation that is... Yeah, is, this, you know, is, this is getting... All right, fine, territory. fine. We'll leave it. We're, we'll leave it of, there. In terms of eradicating... Lycanthropy. I I wonder if there's like religious or cultural importance around werewolves in certain areas. Like you know the story about Rome being founded by Romulus and and Remus, who were raised by wolves. I wonder if there's like you know there's a you know some sort of cultural significance where Rome always has to have two werewolves living within the city. Ooh. Oh my god, Sam, Sam, Sam. Do you think that like Italy brings werewolves as their mascots to the Quidditch World Cup? I. For sure, hope so, well, and I hope Grace, my other fellow Italian on the podcast, also <laughs> thinks that that is should be their mascots. But but werewolves and wolves are different. That's the thing. But it's yes, think, there are five th- very important differences. There's the snout. <laughs> there's the tail. One, he's sitting in my chair. Two, he's wearing my clothes. Three, his name I, is Remus Lupin. So so the 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 like 
headcanon within a lot of Harry Potter fandom is that the wolves that raised Romulus and Remus were werewolf cubs created when two werewolves uh, copulated together during full moon transformation. And so they have like human intelligence essentially. And so when they found these abandoned boys, these two werewolves who were actual wolves, wolves that don't transform back into humans were the ones who raised Romulus and Remus. Okay. That's kind of fascinating. I like it. Not gonna lie. And so, also, it, oh, if, it. that's if, my like, headcanon too. Having to keep them around reminds me very much of like the Ravens of the Tower of London, where it's like yeah. if the Ravens leave London, yeah. fall, like England falls, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like if the if the werewolves. Also, leave, by the way, has anyone checked if the Ravens are still there? Yes, they are. Uh, they are. Okay, because the last few years, no, uh, like maybe we need a double check. One died not too maybe, long ago. Maybe bring in a few more Ravens, like just in case. No, they always they always keep. I think there's six. Yeah, did you say one there. died? Yeah, one died recently, a couple years ago. Oh, recently. I thought you just said one died, and I was like, yes, they, I'm sure they do that. Like, <laughs> I, they're not. No, they're Sam, not immortal those ravens, ravens are, are they? immortal. They're immortal. <laughs> I mean, if you believe Doctor Who, they're uh, they're robots, but that's a different story. <laughs> I love that episode so much. Yeah, I hope that there are always two werewolves in Rome. Oh. Oh. I like this very much. Anyway. Shall we end with our non-being yeah. beings? Yes. So briefly, we can touch on centaurs and people, And really, the main difference between them, because, like, you know, they both stay well enough away from wizards. They both don't like hags and vampires, just like Allison. Uh, but the main difference is uh, the level of arrogance, frankly. <laughs> uh, because the people seem like to have a good relationship with wizards like they cooperate with them you know like they do the second task right they're like yeah come on down we'll like you know play host to your little hostages like you know bring people on in we'll enforce some rules <laughs> right but like the centaurs like i cannot envision the centaurs being like oh so for the second try which task you want us to tie people up in the forbidden forest and have people try to get them and yeah, keep no. them like in the middle of our village where you get to see our pets and our homes. Well, this is this is this is another way this becomes very interesting if you relate this to like indigenous peoples, right? Because there have been some cultures and people who the indigenous people and people who I mean technically invaded got along a little bit better. Right. Where, where they did, yeah. they were kind of able to respect each other's space and things, which I think is easier with mer people because humans can't really breathe and live underwater, you know? So, so it's easier to have oh, that's, that space. That's true. Cause yeah, like literally no one would go into their space. Yeah. So like, and, and if they did, they couldn't yeah. stay there forever. Right. They couldn't like take over. Whereas there, there are a lot of other cultures where people invaded and completely decimated indigenous cultures and indigenous peoples. And I, that seems to almost be more of what centaurs are, right? Like they've been pushed to these certain areas. They've been, um, you know, kind of discriminated against. They've been looked down upon. And so, yeah, there's some animosity between them there. And they're very protective of their space um, because it could very easily be in danger, you know? Um, I mean, imagine being told you get to live only in this forest that, you know, is on the grounds of this school, by the way. Like, we're just going to shove you in that corner. So, so 
just to clarify, we don't know if, like, the ministry mandates them stay there or if they just provide that space for them because the language is kind of ambiguous. I think it's probably so. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, because Fantastic Beasts says wizarding authorities have allocated areas where centaurs will not be troubled by muggles. However, centaurs stand in little need of wizarding protection, having their own means of hiding from humans. So it kind of seems like the wizards are like, this is an area provided for you that, like, we recommend you stay in. And, like, perhaps it's not a, like, hard and fast, like, you can't leave here. But I also feel like a centaur would not be terribly welcome on the streets of Hogsmeade. Well, but, I mean, and think about it, too. I mean, a lot of indigenous people, from what I know, I I will clarify, I am not fully educated in this, (laughs) as as much as I probably should be. But, you know, a a lot of people don't, leave like reservations in the u.s and stuff yeah. you know or or they do but they they go back you know that because i mean it's their home and it's their people and it's where their you know their cultures and their beliefs and their their practices and, and who they are is not hasn't traditionally been looked down upon or or exotic exotified is that a word um <laughs> you know what i'm saying um yeah you know so so i can see centers being similar to that you know sure they can like friends does mingle with wizards and humans a little bit more and but do they want to like is is it worth the potential consequences you know yeah and like the centaurs very clearly want nothing to do with wizards um and uh i i especially love the like how offended they are uh, when Umbridge says they have near-human intelligence. They're like, our intelligence, thankfully, far outstrips your own. so defensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if Umbridge says that to anyone, even her fellow witch, I'd... <laughs> we'd also be... <laughs> I mean, yes, that's true. Like, a first year could also say that to like, Umbridge ugh. and be in the right. Just like, it's Umbridge. Yeah. yeah. Fair point. Oh, she's the worst. Uh, does anyone have any theories on why the centaurs are in the Fountain of Magical Brethren? Uh, uh, a sort of respect for the power and prestige they have, I think. Okay. Could be. I mean, like, while wizards are just very... There's still animosity, yeah, but I mean, centaurs are pretty majestic creatures. So... Okay, so you think it's just, like, for the aesthetic. I mean, well, and there's also, there's also a lot of wisdom, I think, that the centaurs bring. And, and there's, <laughs> like I said, almost a begrudging respect of that's bordering on fear. <laughs> Well, I, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if the statue was created before the centaurs requested beast status. Uh no, it was not. Because they requested it after the being um definition was finalized by Grogan Stump, which was in the early eighteen hundreds, whereas the statute was sixteen eighty-nine. Okay. Oh. Okay, so they were part they were then they were still request then they were still beings at the time correct or were they classified as beasts no no because they refused um based on solidarity with mer people mm. okay um yeah yeah um so madam clegg who was the one who was like anyone who can speak um a human tongue um 
Uh, the centaurs had been classified as beasts under Muldoon, the two legs thing, um, and were now classified as beings under Madame Clagg, but refused to attend in process at the exclusion of merpeople, mm. who were unable to converse in anything except Murmish while above water. Mm-hmm. And this was in the 14th century, so the centaurs were already refusing to be beings then. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe wizards just wanted to be like, look, centaurs love us, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, no centaur will ever come into the ministry to prove us wrong. Yeah, that that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, like, well, a good. centaur yeah. just trotting in there. <laughs> there we have it. There we have it. Um, Patrick, Beans. we were talking about mermaids, um, and we should just note that mermaids have a universal love of music. Which Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. But yes, I am sure that the mer people of Hogwarts Lake, yeah, <laughs> they got a hot crustacean band and everything. So, <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, uh, Princess, thank you so much for joining us uh, for all these hours and all these beings. It has been so great having you on. Thank you for having me. This was like one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. <laughs> Yay! Excellent. Aww. You're always welcome back. Just because Aww. you said that. That's what we love to hear. Thanks. Next episode will be. I don't know why that's a thing. Under the sea. <laughs> Under the sea. We'll be reviewing now Disney movies. Stuck in my head. <laughs> we'll be recasting Disney movies with Harry Potter characters. King Trident. <laughs> oh my god. Hagrid. Yes. Um, please request that. So topic. Luna Lovegood is Rapunzel, oh, right? Hundred no. percent. What? Nope, I disagree. Who do you think is Rapunzel? Who? Yeah. Who do you think is Rapunzel? No one matches Rapunzel. Rapunzel is too amazing. Yeah, which is why it has to be Luna. Is Brave Ginny? Are we casting Ginny as Brave or Lily? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's going to be Ginny. Because of the, all the brother why bears. Why are we talking about this? What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> the next episode will be a chapter revisit of Order of the Phoenix's 35th chapter, Beyond the Veil. And if you want to join us on that chapter or on any of our upcoming shows, you can visit our website at alovemorepodcast.com. Choose be on the show. Follow the instructions. Send us your audition. We love to hear them. You just need a microphone and a pair of headphones. We can walk you through the rest. And while you're on the website, be sure to visit our Topic Submit page. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about on future episodes. We could... I mean, we could do Disney versus Harry Potter. I I could do that. (laughs) Disney yeah, versus tell, tell Harry Potter. What an amazing thing that would be. Actually, that would be kind not, of funny. Not just recasting, but like, all right, let's put uh let's put Hagrid up against Trident. Who would win that battle? And uh what about the sorcerer from Fantasia against Dumbledore? <laughs> I mean, okay. Also, like Merlin and Dumbledore would be best oh, ones, right? Yes, yeah. 100%. Oh yes. my gosh, I freaking love Merlin. Would Draco oh try gosh. and kill King Arthur? Probably. Yeah. Maybe. That checks Probably. out. Yeah. Although, that King Arthur Wait, is definitely a Wait, who's Mim? Bellatrix. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I could see it. 
All right, this would be a great episode to do someday. <laughs> oh, now we're talking about Sword of the Stone and Archimedes. I love Archimedes. <sighs> also, The Once and Future King is a great book. Everyone should read it. It is. Yes. It's a little sexist. But anyway, moving yes, on. It's dated. <laughs> Listeners, if you want to get in touch with us to tell us, you know, your Disney fan casting <laughs> and why you think centaurs are in the fountain and how house elves came to be and all the things we asked you about, you can get in touch with us at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at Alohomora MN. You can go to Facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. You can leave us a voicemail uh, for the directions. Check out our Be On The Show page. You can leave us five-star reviews. You leave them. We read them. We feel great about ourselves. You're happy. We feel great about ourselves. <laughs> Everybody wins. And, of course, there is our website, alohomorapodcast.com, where we look forward to your comments. Or just drop us a line at alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. And once again, we want to thank Amy Ward for sponsoring this episode. Woo! Amy. Thank you, Amy. Amy. And Amy, I'm sure, is absolutely enjoying the ad-free version of the show. Um, who being in Dumbledore's office, obviously sponsoring episodes, getting exclusive clips, getting bonus episodes, getting our monthly kind of chats that we go through, all sorts of good stuff for as little as two dollars a month. And so you listeners can also do that by going to patreon.com slash alohomara. And with that, um, I suppose we're all going to go be magical beings ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a great ending. What a good I transition tried. out of this. Wow. Anyway, really? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Fantastic. No. I'm Allison. <laughs> I'm Sam. And I'm Irvin. Thank you for listening to episode 349 of Aloha Mora. Oh, wow. Open the Dumbledore. The listener's ears are gonna be assaulted. The music, the music, the music. Clearly, I am not good at speaking whale. I need to practice more. episode was produced by Tracy Dunstan and edited by Patrick Yoselak, co-created by Cat Miller and also Noah Freed. This episode was brought to you by APWBD Irvin. Allison. You're, you're next. You're next. I just did be, be on the show. Mm-hmm. You did? Yeah. Yep. Oh. oh okay. I guess I... Uh... <laughs> Fell asleep, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? If Hogwarts had a foreign language class... It would be yeah. whale. 
I still have Under the Sea stuck in my head. Dang it, guys. Under yeah. the Sea. Oh, open the, the Dumbledore. Sea. Under the Sea. Darling, it's better. <laughs> Downward, it's wetter. Take, Take it from it me. Open the Dumbledore. Open the Dumble Dumbledore. Open the Dumble Dumbledore. <laughs> open the Dumble. Open the Dumble. Open the door. <laughs> Dumble to dumble to dumble door. I want to be where they open the dumble door. I wanna... <laughs> okay, I'm stopping this. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know that is my go-to karaoke song, right? Yes, like anytime porn we do karaoke, souls. I always do it's porn so fortune souls. Good, man. Unfortunate souls in pain, in need. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 